0: My name is Thomas Vale, or at least it was. I'm a photographer. I had it all. wife, Allison. Friends, a career. And in one moment, it was all taken away. All because of a single photograph. I have it. They want it. And they will do anything to get the negative. I'm keeping this diary as proof that these events are real.
1: I know they are. They have to be. Welcome to Nowhere Men, the podcast where uh, we talk about the 90s thriller TV show Nowhere Man. My name is Gabe. And I'm Steve. And we're going to be talking about this show. Uh, So this is a show probably not many people have heard of. I'm guessing a lot of you listeners out there, if there are a lot of you listeners out there, probably heard about this show from us, to be perfectly honest. Uh, Maybe. I don't know. So, Certainly, I know about it because of you. <laughs> right, right, yeah. So I'm, my name's Gabe, and I have another podcast, Interparty Conflict. Steve is a good friend of mine, and I really like this show. Um, I watched the show when it was first on UPN way back in the day, and I showed it to my good friend Steve while we were uh, just out of high school or something. Yeah, and so Which, um, for our listeners
0: who can't do the same math that we can, <laughs> sure, the uh, that that was about ten. Twelve years ago, yeah, something like
1: that. So, yeah, this is a—it's a TV show. It starred Bruce Greenwood. It was uh, written by Lawrence Herzog, who I don't know him from anything but this. He is on IMDb. He is listed as uh, twice under writers. <laughs> and the first episode that we're going to be talking about today was directed by Toby Hooper, Toby Hooper of Texas Chainsaw Massacre fame, of Poltergeist fame, I believe. Supposedly, lots of lots of stuff. So. Um, yeah, I guess this is the first episode, so we're kind of feeling this out. We're just going to, I don't know, jump right in and come up with any sort of insights as we go. Sound good? Sounds good. Okay. So this TV show came out in 1995 and, uh, I mentioned, I, I watched the show when it was first on UPN. I didn't, uh, really know what I was getting in, in for. I was 10 years old at the time, but you know, Hey, it was on, my family was watching it and I don't know. I really liked it. The show Went in some directions, I guess, is a, a way to put it. But uh, this first episode, I think, is pretty is is a pretty good first episode. I think as as we get through the season, we'll talk about you know where it goes and and whether the directions it goes are good, I guess. But you know, we'll we'll deal with that as we get to it. The first episode is a very classic
0: first act. Sure, it starts where the character who has a mediocre amount of satisfaction in his own life mm-hmm. tries desperately for the entire episode to keep as much of his life as he can. Sure. And by the end of the episode recognizes that he is not going to be able to get his old life back.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so this episode starts out on a, a, an art gallery where this, uh, this photographer, Thomas Vale, he's, played, a fo- he's a photojournalist, photojournalist, my mistake. This photojournalist, Thomas Vale he is showing off all these photos he's taken of war-torn countries and so on. In particular, there is there is one photo that is kind of given prominence called "Hidden Agenda," which is a photo of uh, some people being a public execution. So I think it's like four individuals with hoods on their heads being executed, as well as uh, some army guys, you know, smoking cigars, standing on their Humvee, watching this execution taking place. And when you say given prominence in the art gallery, it's actually got a frame made out of barbed wire. Yes. Correct. So this the first scene is just kind of you know him not really schmoozing with all the art patrons because he doesn't really look like he wants to be there. You know, some of them they come up and they tell him like how how powerful it is and whatnot, and he sort of seems a bit uh, not really taken aback, but a bit uh, kind of resentful of like the the positive feelings these people seem to have about the the photos. There's one point where he a woman comes up and you know, compliments his work and he says he says the truth is unforgiving. Don't shoot the messenger or the photographer, of course, because he's a he's a photographer, not a messenger, duh. (laughs) Well, and the reason that
0: I wanted to make the distinction that he's a photojournalist is because I I didn't have an appreciation for real journalists at the time that we first watched this. Okay. And so I, I, I couldn't conceive of the idea of a photojournalist being someone whose job it is to go and capture important not told stories sure sure. around the world Um, so when I see him not really getting along with the the the, the schmoozing uh, people in his art gallery it's Mm -hmm. because I think given I I think given the choice he he doesn't want his work to become entertainment
1: okay I can see that especially given his some of the things he says later in the episode I think that uh, that makes sense
0: yeah the, he the the job of a photojournalist is is not titillation, sure, and that's why I wanted to make the the distinction, and 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 it's important because, like a real journalist, you can get yourself into very dangerous scrapes because you are getting closer and closer to stories that, in many cases, there's someone. Who will not benefit from that story getting out, mm-hmm. which is what the premise of the story is about? Yeah, so I, that's that's why I wanted to make that a distinction. Sure,
1: sure. I guess you got to wonder, like those army men in the photograph did they did they want themselves photographed? Right. You know, I guess we'll talk about that more as we go on. Uh, one thing that I wanted to mention is that there's uh, there's another photo here. It's it's sort of like a self portrait of Tom, Tom and his wife Allison. In uh, it's supposed to sort of be the American Gothic, except instead of holding up. Uh, pitchfork or whatever is like in between the man and his wife it's the two of them but he's holding up a uh, camera so you know just a just an interesting little self-portrait there uh while he's going around and he is uh you know talking with some of these people there's there's this moment that it happens a few times in this episode where there's a crash somewhere off in the background and part of this is is i'm sure the show was low budget but it, I, I want to think to an extent it was also intentional in that the sound of the Foley work of this crash sounds very, very much like it doesn't belong in the scene. There's a point later where this happens, too. And I, again, I think it's just low budget, but it, watching it, it almost feels more fitting than if it felt like it was actually part of the scene. It very much sounds like they recorded it elsewhere and then just, you know, uh, just laid it over the track. But it, it gets your attention, I guess. There's a number of times in this episode where I feel l-
0: like I could point to deliberate attempts to set the viewer at ease, or excuse
1: me, ill at ease. Sure. To, to, to set them on edge. Uh, yes. <laughs> Before we get any further, one, one thing that I want to mention that I got from the commentary that I thought was hilarious. There is, uh, in this scene, there is a a waiter that walks by, not the one that, that Causes the crash. But there's a waiter that walks by and he has one line. And in the episode, the line is shrimp roll. He's just saying shrimp roll. Mm -hmm. According to the commentary, originally that line was sushi. But when they auditioned that actor, so his only line was sushi. He bombed it. (laughs) And they were like, how do you bomb a one word line with two syllables? But he got the role. (laughs) Shrimp roll might actually be funnier than
0: sushi. Maybe I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that that might
1: be a really important upgrade. Sure. That sure. This episode got so. Any, anyway, uh, I just I wanted to mention that because I thought that was I thought it was a hilarious little behind the scenes uh, behind the scenes detail. So we hear we hear the cra- you know crash. Just a waiter is walking by with some glasses and accidentally trips and, and drops them or whatever. But you know it gets it gets the viewers' attention. It got Tom's attention. Tom goes and he he his wife's talking with somebody, so he he grabs his wife and he says, you know, oh, little Tommy's sick, the babysitter called, you know, maybe we should go deal with that. You know, of course, there isn't a little Tommy, he just wanted to get his wife away because, you know, he's not really comfortable being here with all these, all these people and everything. Um, and so, Tom starts talking to his wife, like, you know, we should, let's get out of here, let's go get dinner. He starts talking about this big potato, lots of sour cream, and, you know, anyway, so he, he's trying to get out of there, I guess. Uh, there's also a line in here where his wife says something about there. that's the problem with marriage. No mystery. Cause like, you know, they, they know, they know each other. They know what they're going to do as a married person. I can definitely, definitely sympathize with that. Um, and then Tom has the line, trust me, you will always be a mystery, which, you know, and I guess going through the episode that, that, uh, that resonated with me a little bit more. Also, Tom's friend, Larry Mm -hmm. comes over and he, he, uh, invites Tom and his wife out to a club afterwards and jokes about asking out some art babes. Mm -hmm. And then he, Sort of gestures over at the woman earlier, who was, uh, who was basically, you know, saying like, "Oh, this is so," I guess, entertaining. I remember exactly what her line was, but uh, there was a "quote unquote" art babe who was complimenting Tom on his work, and that's where he said, like, you know, the truth is unforgiving. And uh, one thing throughout this whole scene, and I guess this this kind of continues through the rest of the episode too, but in this scene in particular, all of the almost all of the shots of people talking are like. Just a little bit too close up. Okay. It it felt to me like they were trying to evoke a sense of claustrophobia, kind of, or like like someone was getting in your personal space. That's an interesting. I will have to watch for that. Mm-hmm. I just I, I noticed it when I went through it once, and then I watching it again. It sort of stuck out to me. Even though this this is just the first scene of the show, but I feel like they're already trying to, you know, like with the sound effects, like just put you at ill at ease. Mm-hmm on on some level yeah i'd be curious
0: uh i'd be curious to know if that was an artistic choice mm-hmm. or limitations of cameras at the time
1: okay that that very well could just be just because
0: you have to remember if it's 94 a camera is a foot and a half long <laughs> sure you're holding yeah. a camera in your hand we have our notes on our phones here <laughs> but you know our phones have a better definition than a camera in 94 true and an, and it would have been a a very large object.
1: Yeah. In particular, there's one shot like right at the end of the scene where this this blonde woman sort of it almost looks like she's like coming out of the shadows to to in, you know interrogate Tom or something. I don't think she is, but just it's just a very odd shot.
0: I'll be I I, thank you for bringing it up. We have it playing slowly in the background. I will I will pay attention for that because I I was more focused on the themes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't I was more listening to it than I was watching. But uh, I I will take a look. I think it's right here. At The shots, yeah. Oh yeah. Like she just like. Well, and she wasn't lit for the first half of that shot. Okay. Okay. Right. She 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 was stepping into her light. So. Sure. Uh yeah, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. Um. So yeah, the. Uh, you know, he he Tom clearly isn't enjoying himself. He's trying to get his wife to to leave with him. Um. I have notes
0: both from when he's talking to his wife and from when he's talking to his friend.
1: Okay. Go for it.
0: Um. When he's talking to his wife, one of the things that she. Says is, oh, I see everything in front of the camera is fair game, but the man behind needs to stay invisible. Sure, yeah. I thought that was an intelligently written line,
1: especially considering where this show is where the show's about to go, go. Yeah,
0: he's going to have to be invisible for the entirety of the rest of the show.
1: Not only is he going to have to be invisible, whether he wants to or not, he's invisible to everybody. Yes, that's yeah. correct. There you go. Exactly. So,
0: so, uh, in a, in a first act, mm-hmm. in many cases. A character will state the theme, almost grossly state the theme, okay, in something like that. Where if you're looking for it and you're watching it on the second time, you go, "Whoa, that is, that is exactly what's going to have to happen. <laughs> he is going to be invisible
1: for the rest of. Look at what. Listen, listen to what she said. Wait a minute. They have to figure out who killed who, with what, and where. I'm thinking of the movie Clue. Okay. I, I, I did a bit. I butchered that line, but <laughs> Tim Curry has a line. Like, we're trying to figure out who killed him and with what and where. And it's yeah. like, well, you didn't need to say that, but it's based on a board game where you're trying to do exactly that. So I understand. Anyway, anyway. Well, yeah.
0: Cl- and Clue mugged to the camera a couple of times, right? Clue, yeah. Clue, yeah. Clue. All of the characters in Clue are almost just barely aware that they are clearly characters from the the board game Clue. Sure. You can do it in a drama. And generally speaking, if it's done well, it just sounds like opening dialogue Mm -hmm. because the writers will know what the theme of the story is. Okay. The audience doesn't yet. Sure, sure. And even on your second viewing, in many cases, if you're not someone who's trying to extract theme from things, Mm -hmm. um, it's not going to be there. Yeah, You're not going to notice it as easily.
1: I guess I can definitely understand that from my own writing. Uh, I might know exactly what I'm trying to get across, but the reader might not, very often does not. So you need to, you do need to take some, some measures to make sure that you do at least make it clear enough for readers or viewers or whatever to, to get the theme that you're going for. And it's a very tricky line to walk mm-hmm. because you don't want to give the
0: audience information that they already have. Sure, That makes them feel very annoyed. That you didn't trust them. Yeah. At the same time, we were just talking earlier today about how many you need about a dozen exposures to an ad before your brain will go, Oh yeah, I should give that a try. Mm-hmm. And so you have to do you have to walk a line with your audience going, All right, I, I need to tell you this thing again, I need to tell you this thing again, I need to tell you this thing again so that it's there. But you actually in in a in a story, you're trying to not trip that line. Sure. You want it to be something that the brain is working at and chewing on. And so that the audience gets a chance to sort of work it out for themselves. Okay. Um, but you do need to have it enough times that it's not a total mystery. Yeah. You want you want your audience to be able to feel like they are smart. Mm-hmm. Audiences love to feel smart.
1: I do love when I am uh, taking in some media that that trusts me, Trust yeah. me to to understand what they're trying to say. So you got to give them enough to do that, mm-hmm. but uh, you don't want to give them so much that it feels like
0: they're being spoon fed. Sure. Um, when you're running your Dungeons and Dragons games, mm-hmm. you have to
1: figure out how to make sure that players feel like they're the ones making the choices. Yeah. Even though. Even if they are not. Right. Even if all the choices were made by me before we started, I do need to make the players feel like they are making that choice. The other line I had
0: was from his friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, i die for all this attention. Oh, dear. Yeah. Okay, put put that in your pocket, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, he also says,
1: "Maybe I'll get some of your fallout." There you go. This yeah. this this dialogue is actually it's better than I gave it credit for the first time I, I watched it. Um, <laughs> that's pretty good. All right, uh, so so after Tom is you know talking about how he wants to to get out of here with his wife, smash cut to they're in a restaurant and there's a baked potato with lots of sour cream. So uh yeah, so it cuts to to the Tom and his wife in a restaurant and uh they're they're talking about you know, I guess it was a good turnout or whatever, but Allison starts talking about Tom's wife Tom's wife, Tom's mom. Mm-hmm. She says that uh, you know it's it's a shame that his his mom didn't come to the show. They sort of start talking about uh you know, Tom doesn't have a good relationship with his mom. I guess Tom left at one point and then because Tom left, then Tom's father left, and so Tom's mom blames, blames him, him and has disowned him, and and so on. And uh, you know, again, Allison is kind of regretting that her that his mom wasn't there just to see the success that her son has had. But uh, she says, you know, someone should have told her. And then there's a, a little beat, and then Tom says, "I'll send her a photograph." <laughs> Ooh, that's a burn! Ah, man, I I singed my my. I don't know where I'm going with this joke. So, yeah, that's a good burn right there. Because he takes photographs,
0: guys. She also – no, he also said my mother wouldn't even come out here for my funeral. Okay. Which yeah. I thought was an inter- – which I was I was trying to remember. I was like, do they have a funeral for him? I, I knew – I was trying to remember mm-hmm. what the circumstances were going to be
1: because I knew he was going to lose – everything that mattered in his life. And I was like, does oh, he spoiler, have he... to <laughs> <laughs> No, we are, we are hoping that everybody listening has watched at least the first episode. And also I mean, the thing that you're spoiling is going to happen in like 10 seconds. So. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Well, so I couldn't remember exactly the, the circumstances in which he mm-hmm. he loses everything that matters. So I was like, all right, she wouldn't come out here for my own funeral. Sure. So sure. Th- that was a nice line. I thought for uh, um, his relationship mm-hmm. with his mother. And, and we do get to see their relationship towards, towards the end, it's not funeral based spoiler hashtag spoilers. <laughs> if you were waiting for that funeral scene, sure, they don't sure. give a funeral for him. Cause that's not the way in which his life is ruined. Yeah. Uh, his wife also says when he's listing off all of these food items, Yeah, once they're at the, the restaurant, she says, you know, you could have bought me off with just the cheesecake. And I liked, <laughs> I liked that she was talking about being bought off. Okay. Because you're going to see some experiences where. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that that, that, that people in his life that were close to him mm-hmm. were given a choice yeah. not cheesecake or death but something pretty close <laughs> sure, sure um well the or death part at least the cheesecake part not so much ignore mm-hmm. ignore this person or 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 we're going to kill him yeah and um i just thought it was an interesting way to be talking about food sure g- given the fact that she's going to actually uh be bought up she, she's going to buy his life she's going to bargain for his life and
1: uh, with, with her, with her performance in this episode. Mm -hmm. So, so, uh, you know, they're talking and then uh, there's another crash. Another one of those like weird, clearly not in the, in the microphone uh, sound effects of a a crash, a waiter nearby has dropped a tray, you know, some stuff broke. Um, And again, it it catches the Tom's attention, catches our attention. And anyway, so Tom sort of, he relieves himself to go, uh, to go to the restroom and he goes to have a smoke. Like, you don't see people on TV going to the bathroom to smoke.
0: Uh, there was a time period where
1: you didn't. There, oh,
0: really? I, well, I, I mean, I, I feel like smoking and bad behavior has come back as the as as streaming has yeah. become the norm for television. Okay, you know, okay. people people are doing terrible crap in television <laughs> well, now. Well, I, mean, I worse than smoking. I guess
1: it's like network TV. I mean, well, well that's
0: what I'm saying. Okay. Is that 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 for for from '94 up until around when when streaming became the norm in, in – you know, I don't know what, 2010-ish? Yeah, something like that. So for for a fifteen year period, you don't see anybody smoking on television. Mm-hmm. That is a good point. Um, I just meant of course you see God, okay, I mean, we well, see people you, doing crazy stuff I, now. I guess I guess. No, so I just wanted to clarify that that you don't mean today. Sure. You mean the like, days following
1: Yeah. The, it the, it seems odd that even in this time period they would have. It does. It he, he really, goes, really does. Yeah.
0: The stuff you see on TV today. It would not be strange to see a character smoking a cigarette in a in a stall. Sure. I'm saying you, you want to teleport the reader back to yesteryear, mm-hmm. where if a character was smoking a cigarette in a stall, it's because it was a very special episode of Saved by the Bell, and we were going <laughs> to learn about the dangers of smoking. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. that's the area you're talking about, yeah. where it's it's very uncommon because because we were trying to you know reduce smoking, smoking as the norm. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so he's in when he's in the bathroom, he, uh, you know, he smokes a little bit, tosses the cigarette in the in the toilet and flushes it. And there's this this shot where he's he's standing there. He's like putting his jacket on. He's like fluffing his hair or whatever. He's, I think his hair looks ridiculous. But um, everything about his appearance is like so 1995. <laughs> he's got a a jean jacket over a flannel shirt over a T-shirt. And I swear my brother had that exact same hairstyle back in 1995. Yeah. So, you know, it's like Joey Lawrence hair on the... I mean, Bruce Greenwood was like 40 when when they right. made this. When I first watched it, I always thought of him as being younger. And it's probably because of that hair, to be perfectly honest. Sure. But uh, I don't know. Back then, I'm sure it was with the times. But nowadays, looking at his hair, his outfit, everything is... It just, it's, it's just kind of goofy looking. Uh, so anyway, Tom comes out of the bathroom... And there's some other couple sitting in the booth. And this is eight minutes into the show. I was taking some time notes yeah. to note. He,
0: he has eight minutes of a regular life before this abrupt change Yeah, that gets everything going.
1: And like it's not like something happened and then it changed. It's not like, I don't know, he got. I'm thinking of like, like uh, in The Matrix um, when Neo goes to, he gets like taken by the. The agents and like they put a weird, creepy thing in his stomach and then ah, he wakes up and then like weird stuff starts happening after that. No, like this is just he's just out, you know, he's going out to a restaurant. He goes to the bathroom, comes back and his wife's gone.
0: In the same way that we have the two crashes that seem a little bit off. A little bit jarring. In the scene. Yeah. This is almost unceremonious. Okay. For how big a shift this is. Yeah. He literally just went and smoked a cigarette and came back, and his life is completely different from yeah. this point onward. It's it's a little weird, honestly, to mm-hmm. watch. There was I don't know if it would have benefited from a little bit more circumstance. I was grappling with this the entire time I was re-watching this episode, going, should it have had a little more? It's 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 almost like his life ends with a whimper, not a bang.
1: Yeah. But happens
0: with the speed of a bang. Okay. It, it was it was there was no circumstance. There was no weird screen effect you know not that there should have been <laughs> right, right but but it it's sort of very it, it suggests the speed at which this can happen that mm-hmm. they're suggesting is a little scary yeah that 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 all of these changes all of these whatever it is is it bribes? is it is it you know where was was this already a restaurant that that was chosen that they could do this swap very quickly. Who are these people who have these resources? You know, that's that's what we're gonna ask a lot over yeah. the course of the show, and certainly during this episode, is how how, how, yeah, right? Yeah. Right. They're trying to make him feel crazy. They're trying to they're trying to uh remove all of his sense of 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 stability, and they do it with such a lightning speed that with such lightning speed and perfect hiding of the seams that it's, as an audience member, I almost don't like it. Okay. I almost don't like how perfect it was. Yeah. It was like a character moving into, um, I'm someone who's who, who doesn't often enjoy perfect holograms in a story.
1: Okay. Well, I, I feel the same way. Because
0: yeah. once you've introduced perfect holograms, how do we? How do we trust? How do we know? How do we? as the audience trust that we're not going to get? Oh, and they were asleep the whole time. Oh, this was a <laughs> right, nightmare. Right. Um, so it just evokes some of that for me, mm-hmm. where now I can't trust anything because yeah. what's going? What's going on? And then, and that's obviously that's that is obviously the point of this story. Sure, is
1: is what can you trust? And as we as we go through the show, so when we get through the entire season, because the show only, if you didn't know, listener, the show only had one season. Um, I I know they did have plans for if it continued beyond one season, but not to give any spoilers about the ending, but like, I think that the ending of the first season is a, as good of an ending as you could really expect from this type of show, like as, as fitting of an ending. So um, as we go through it, like, I think that we will, we will learn some more things about how this happened and so on. Some of which makes it make more sense. Some of which makes it make less sense. You know, we'll we'll see as we go through it. Um, but one thing that always that I always wonder, and and I will probably voice as we go through these episodes is, if they could do it so easily right here, like what else can they do, and why aren't they doing it? Right. That was a that was a question
0: I continuously had, and we'll talk about that as various things yeah go through. From a thematic standpoint, though, I wanted to talk about the cigarette. Sure. I was at, at, it's it's playing now, and now that I'm watching it. And when you're talking about how rare it was to see someone smoking a cigarette at at that time, Um, I was comparing some of this to how horror structure works. Okay. And from the little I know and understand about the horror genre, it's important that characters – sin for lack of better words sure they have to trespass they have to be weak and limited and bring on the punishment yeah so that so that it's not random acts of violence it's punishing acts of 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 violence or terror Mm -hmm. that they Mm -hmm. have to go through um it's a very very minuscule scene and it and like i said it just you transition immediately out of it into the restaurant and his life is completely different yeah But there isn't there that it it thematically fits that he goes in to have a cigarette and then in 94 that is if he if he didn't have this secret smoking habit they (laughs) would not have been able to that that, that there is at least that that thematically there is the exact moment in which
1: it's taken away from him is a moment where he is sneaking away to do something Mm -hmm. that you're not supposed to do that. I, that makes me wonder if the show were made nowadays if it would have been him like going in and snorting some coke or something like that's that. That's why instead. I was trying to say, yeah, you see people smoke today. So that's that, you, uh, yeah, you yeah. see
0: people. I saw a guy's <laughs> head that they, they they took the skin off of his head and like, like just pushed the and it was oh, like they just they stripped the skin off of off of a skull in a forensics thing. I mean, the stuff you see on screen today is yeah, very okay, okay. You make, compared to smoking, you make a good point, you make a good point.
1: So I don't think we've actually even said what it is that happens here. Yes, uh, I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. We were getting some, some good discussion out of this. So he he comes out of the bathroom. His wife is gone. There's a different couple in their booth. He calls over the maitre d' who I don't think we saw before this, but it's implied that like they know him. Yeah. And he's like, oh, hey, where's, you know, where'd Allison go? Did you move her somewhere? And the guy's like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm not familiar with who you're talking about. You know, please let me ha- get you a seat somewhere else. And he's like, no, no, no you know, is this a joke? Is this Allison playing a prank on me? Is it because I wanted to leave the art thing? You know, what's going on? And this guy does not seem to recognize Tom. He doesn't seem to remember Tom's wife. He even, he makes a a comment that I, I think is, is funny. And it's, he mentions the couple that's sitting in that booth, like, oh, Mr. and Mrs. Charney have had that booth reserved every Thursday for the last 10 years. And that's just like, who reserves who reserves a specific booth for 10 years it's just it just seems odd to me like are all of the booths here reserved often or did did tom just happen to have been staying in the one booth that this couple or think he was staying or whatever in the one booth that's been reserved for 10 years like what would what would gino have said if it was any other booth oh but no no that person has been here for 20 minutes i, I don't know it it's just it's a goofy little detail well, it, it we we are going to have to
0: explore how fragile is the ruse. Okay. Right. Um. In the movie, is it now you see me? It's a bunch of magicians. It's a bunch of. Oh, uh, that's of now you see me. I have,
1: I haven't seen it, but uh, yeah.
0: It, th- there there were parts of that where it was like, whoa! There's they they used magic. <laughs> there's yeah. no way they did this without magic, and then right. they they show you what they did, and it's like, oh. Yeah, I guess you could have done that without magic. And it <laughs> okay. would have seemed like you know so I, I I because what we're talking about later on, okay, mm-hmm. why didn't they just kill him? Yeah. If they have the resources to do all of this, why didn't they do it sooner? Sure. Right? Those are the things we're gonna be looking into. If if they have all these resources, where do they stop? If they can find him here, why can't they find him there? If they can find him here, why do they need why don't they just eliminate him? All mm-hmm. of the all of these shouldn't the villains, if they're this prepared, be two percent more prepared and just right take them down yeah
1: and as we go through the show I think I'll have some things to say about that definitely so but the the thing we're gonna have
0: to look into is are they actually prepared mm-hmm. or do they just look prepared because okay. they've had the time to prepare an illusion sure right so yeah if if he had had time to think to ask Gino about other people at at the restaurant would that have broken Gino's
1: Sure. He's right. like, "Oh, that's the Thompsons. They've had that booth reserved for eleven years."
0: Right? Yeah. That's that's what okay. could have potentially happened. Is so. So we're seeing their plan work correctly. Sure. And so that's that's the only way I can justify this series okay. is that they had enough time. They do this all the time, and their plan is going exactly right. Okay. And that there are that 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 afterwards. Is like the Truman show where yeah. you see them going, Oh boy. <laughs> right. We were so glad that right, because that's that's the same exact thing where yeah. where you're you got a whole bunch of people keeping up a ruse and as long as you see it only from the the mark's po- point of view, mm-hmm. it looks like it's working perfectly. And you see the mark going a little crazy, going but but but
1: but but Yeah. But and it's it it easy from their side. It is easy for us as a um, you know Not omniscient third party, but like uh, an outside party watching this happen. Like it is easy for us to say like, oh, well, why didn't you do this? And why didn't you do that? And so on. Right. Well, and that's very tricky.
0: That's Mm -hmm. extremely tricky because you do as an audience member want. I get so frustrated when they do stupid stuff. When Stupid characters do stupid things. It's very frustrating. Sure. When smart characters do stupid things for stupid reasons, that's frustrating. When smart characters do stupid things because they're limited, mm-hmm. that can be very interesting okay right that can be it can be funny, it can be heartbreaking it can it's important for smart characters to do stupid things or there would be no story mm-hmm. that in fact smart characters have to be limited and be smaller than their challenges all the time, or there's no story yeah this the the challenges even if it turns out the troll that guards the bridge, the beard is just stuck on with spirit gum, and it's not real <laughs> okay. It's very important that the hero thinks that the troll is real. Sure. That otherwise we can't emotionally connect with the hero. Heroes are not when – when we're as an audience member, heroes are not judged by what they actually do mm-hmm. and actually confront. It's what they think they're actually doing, what they think they're actually confronting. Okay. A character has to think something scary even if we, the audience member, know it's going to be okay. Yeah. If the character has no idea that they're that – they're, if, if the character is assuming – that they're facing something very scary, and we see them go ahead anyways. We'll still, we'll still generally get on board. Okay. Even if we know it's going to be okay for them, we'll go. Oh no, it's good. Just, <laughs> just wait, honey. Oh man, you just wait two scenes from now. You're going to find out everything is okay. Sure. You, th- you know. So yeah, we have to. We have to. It's a. It, this is an extremely difficult show to write. Yeah. I don't. I and so I keep going back and forth over. It, They do it. It's an extremely (laughs) difficult show to write because a lot hinges on the character being helpless. Mm -hmm. And that's that that's very hard to write. And it still be interesting. Sure. Because it's it's sort of like when we when we talk about in video games, is it challenging or is it frustrating? Sure. Challenging is when we feel like we're the thing that's failing. We, the player, are failing and we're gonna get better at it and we're gonna overcome the challenge. Frustrating feels like, who designed this? <laughs> how could anyone deal with this? Yeah. And I think there's times where the the whatever it is that's that's setting up the ruse, mm-hmm. it sometimes feels very frustrating. Okay. There are times where it feels like, What how what if you can mm, how is he how could any <laughs> person get out of, you know, get yeah. out of this? Um but at the same time. When we are studying a character, when we're watching a character, a good writer has picked the character who's going to break the system. Sure, right. The time where it was different, and there's even a line later on where one of the characters says, "You just don't understand. Most people just give in." Yeah, right. Yeah. And so he's the char- He's the one who didn't give in. Sure. And that is what. And makes that's why we're watching his story. Why we're watching his story. Um, we'll have to talk later about whether or not that's enough. Okay, okay. Um, (laughs) Because I don't know if him being the one who is different is interesting enough. I think he himself has to be interesting. Sure. We got eight minutes of his life before his life was... Yeah. Before this got started. Um, It's not impossible Mm -hmm. to make us love a character in eight minutes. I loved his wife in eight minutes. Sure. um, But I wasn't super invested in him yet yet at the same time if it were his wife his wife is kind of a little more uh, together she sort of had her life together yeah uh, he clearly had unfinished business he clearly wasn't he he, he had a mixed relationship with his public mm-hmm. his job was sort of interesting but he wasn't outdoing his job His job takes him to these dangerous places, but he's got this really awesome wife back home who probably worries about him when he goes to these places. And he's got a smoking habit that he's not telling anybody about. That's what we know about him. Sure. it's clearly someone who's got some stuff to work through. Yeah. And his wife sort of just seemed together. Uh, So she was likable, but together. And that doesn't make
1: necessarily for a great protagonist. Um, And then there's the question of, with what we see later in the episode, how much did she have together? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, Tom, uh, his wife's gone. He asks Gino what happened. Gino does not recognize him. Tom gets a little belligerent. The bouncer, I guess, or whatever. some 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 big tough guy that works for the restaurant came really over. <laughs> yes, came over and uh, escorted him out and made some comment about like if he had his way, Tom wouldn't still be breathing. You know. So uh, Tom gets escorted outside. He's left outside with no car. He says to the charneys, "You're picking up the check." <laughs> um so that's he That's the couple
0: that was in his th- 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 Exactly, th- 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 exactly. Th- exactly.
1: Th- so he uh he goes to a phone booth and when we were first talking about doing this show you you said to me that you were going to pay attention to the lighting of this show or like some you made some comment to me to me about like whether or not the lighting was going to be good. Yeah. Oh boy, the lighting in this show is pretty interesting. When he leaves the restaurant and then when he goes to this uh to this phone booth like it is like it is intense. Yeah, let's let's roll it back here. Like when he first comes out of the restaurant, it's, you can sort of see off in the background, there's like this, like these, like bright green spotlights or whatever. But then when he's in the phone booth, especially, like they've got, they've got some gels working double duty (laughs) on those lights. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy. It reminds me a lot of there was a, around this same time, there was a pilot for, uh, a, like an X-Men TV show basically mm. called Generation X which I have a lot of fondness for despite the fact that it was terrible. And the entire thing is like bright green, bright yellow, bright pink gels just being like everything in the background is is it's all dark but lit with these crazy colors. And so it's it since it's from around the same time it might have also aired on UPN I don't recall. Uh You know, it's just it's it's another thing of the time that I think is uh, is worth pointing out. It's definitely better than a sitcom. Sure. It
0: definitely is a stage as a step up from 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 a sitcom. Sure. There's there's mood to it. Yeah. Even if sort of like you've said about the sound effect, the Foley work for the crash. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit budget mood. Yeah. It's mood. Yeah, it's mood. They're definitely at least trying. Sure. That's what that's what I was curious was: is it going to look like it was lit with one fluorescent and everything is the same flat? <laughs> right. But just the fact that we had the woman who 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 comes out of the dark into her light mm-hmm. um, I, I, at at the at the photo gallery. Th- sure. There's clearly there there is actual lighting design. Okay. They might not have had a ton of uh, budget to make it you know sharp and interesting. Yeah. Um.
1: But they d- they did make it, uh, particular. I yeah, guess. Yeah.
0: It's on purpose. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So uh, so, Tom tries calling a number, I'm guessing probably calling home or calling his wife or something, uh, but the number doesn't work. You know, it's, not, it's out, of, uh, out of out of order. So he calls a cab. The cab takes him to his house. It drops him off. He runs through the rain uh, to get to the door. He takes out his key. Key doesn't work. He knocks on the door for like two seconds and then his wife shows up. So it, it looks like it's like the middle of the night. But uh, anyway, his wife shows up at the door and she uh, does not recognize him. She asks him who he is. What he wants, what he's doing there. She threatens to call the police. I don't know if this is intentional or not, but to me, it might just be bad acting. I don't know. But it like she it's hard to tell whether she actually doesn't know him or if she's trying very hard to tell him, I don't know you. Get out of here or I'll call the police. I don't know. You know, it's I think that's up to the up to the viewer to I was about to say reader, up to the viewer to to determine. But um the dog doesn't recognize him. The, you know, Tom makes com- some comment about like, oh, you don't let you're mad at me, too. And uh, then some other guy shows up who is uh, apparently her husband with a shotgun. And he tells him, you know, thinks he's drunk, tells him to go sleep it off somewhere. He says, you can either turn and leave or I can blow a hole in your leg, which that's I guess that's a thing to say. That's a weird <laughs> a weird statement to make, I guess. Uh, so, I mean, you know. I guess I don't know what I would do in Tom's situation either. There's a guy with a shotgun and his wife is claiming to not know him. The dog is claiming to not know him. He leaves. I mean, what would you do in this situation? I, well, as a
0: viewer, because I know he's not going to get his life back. Uh The whole time I was rewatching this episode, I was like, stop trying to get your life back. (laughs) Sure. Just give up and get on the run. That's what this show is about.
1: Go. <laughs> he he acts like a maniac in this episode. He acts exactly like the crazy person everybody thinks he is because he to him, everything is like he, he knows what he's saying. Right. So you can't blame him, but knowing what's coming, I guess, having seen this episode, having seen further episodes, it is like, dude, stop freaking out <laughs> at least I Act sane for a little while. Right. You know, I I don't know. Anyway, anyway. So, so Tom leaves. Um, It took me a little while to figure out where he goes after this. He goes to Larry's apartment, his friend Larry. Mm -hmm. Just they show like a weird, it's like, he's like in like a parking lot or something. And then there's a, a weird, like, I don't know, staircase going up. Yeah. It, at first I thought he was at his art studio, but it's not his art studio. It's Larry's apartment. Um, so he he cab drops him off. Slayer with the art, babe. Larry with the art babe. Exactly. He walks up to the door as he, as he starts. Yeah. As he walks up to the door, a convertible speeds away and he sees it's Larry and the art babe. So he just missed them. He calls after them. Surely Larry's going to recognize him. Right. Right. So he calls after him, but Larry doesn't hear Larry and the art babe. You know, they speed off on their way. We see the backs of their heads. We do see the backs of their heads. I guess maybe it was somebody else. What I'm
0: saying is we see the backs of their heads. I didn't think of that.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll, I'll get to, I'll I'll comment on that in a little bit. Yeah. Um, when I, I think, I think when I first thought that it was the art studio, it was because why would Larry be leaving his own apartment? Like with, with I, I would think that if he was at his own apartment with an art babe, like they'd be inside, you know, doing what you do with an art babe after a, a thing. I don't know, but it, it just seemed odd to me that they would be leaving. So I don't know. That's why I was saying for a, a,
0: every single time a thing happened mm-hmm. in this episode, I was like, or did it that's a good that's a good point so that's that's why when when you see the two of them driving away you see two people drive off and you're right if if this guy was trying to entertain one of the art babes Mm -hmm. if he if he got back to his apartment you would assume he would just be at his apartment yeah but in terms of if the purpose of whatever this organization is is to destroy the hopes of thomas vale Mm -hmm. then all they have to do is show him driving away okay the guy could have been in there at that time yeah alive or else alive or something else (laughs) else. okay um but that's what i'm saying i i I honestly think he was probably dead by that point sure spoilers for the rest of this episode but um he's going to be dead at some point Mm -hmm. i don't know and we're going to talk about why that one's why he's allowed to be dead and not Thomas Vale. That's going to be a very interesting question for the next twenty five episodes. Yeah, yeah. But if he was, if he's going to be dead ever, mm-hmm. I think he very easily could have been dead then. And those were and those were just part of the, the sure, after. sure.
1: So, uh, so Tom, um, he gets another cab, goes to an ATM. I think it's noteworthy that this AT, this uh, cab has an ad for Chicago on top of it. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure this show takes place in. LA or somewhere on the West coast. Like I know that a lot of it was filmed in Pasadena. Sure. But for whatever reason, he takes a cab that has a big old ad for Chicago, the windy city. So I don't know. Anyway. So he gets, um, Oh, I'm sorry. That actually the, sorry, the cab is after he goes to the ATM. He goes to an ATM to get money out. But when he puts in his card, it doesn't, uh, of course it doesn't work. You know, Right. he It tells him it doesn't work and then it eats his card. And this is tricky, right? Because yep. as
0: an audience, we expect it not to work at this point. Sure. As soon as he walks up to his house, we've seen Back to the Future, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. We've seen a person go to their house and the people who they think live at that house are not living at that house. Sure. So it is tricky to layer in the things that he's, – he's, he's stubborn. Yeah. He does not know <laughs> that he has had his life uprooted. Has he, he
1: not seen Nowhere Man before? Yeah. <laughs>
0: This is but once he finally gets to his studio we can you what's the timestamp stamp here?
1: Uh it is about 14 and a half minutes. So, it takes it takes
0: almost 15 minutes before we know why this is happening. Sure. I don't know if I agree with that from a from a I I, I don't know that that's the smartest thing necessarily for audience retention, mm-hmm. which was different in 1994 than it is today. Yeah. That Was 24 years ago. Something like that, yeah. Oh, let's not do that math. Oh my goodness, <laughs> that is a long time. Ago. But <clears throat> Today, when you're building a pilot, you you're not afforded 14 minutes of audience attention sure. before you explain why something's happening. Because the first t- the, the first time you're watching this show, mm-hmm. you don't know if he's going crazy. Yeah, you don't know if he's gone into an alternate reality. Sure, you don't know. Right, you don't know if this is a magic show that has weird supernatural effects or not. Yeah, you you, you don't know. What's actually happening, but but I think worse than that, Mm -hmm. for audience retention purposes, you don't know why. Yeah, it's not clear. He had a bunch of photos. It would be unrealistic. I I I would not believe that there would be a person who'd be like, oh, I bet it was because of a photo he took. (laughs) Sure, it's possible in retrospect, or if you're super smart, or if you deal with photojournalists a lot, and photojournalists get. If you like were best friends with a photojournalist who gets death threats, you'd be like, oh, I know why I know why his life's being uprooted. (laughs) But it's a very long time to ask your audience to trust you. Sure. And so you are then almost required much bigger payoffs than we get in this show.
1: Yeah. I don't know if it's it's, I think it's worth mentioning that this first episode was a it was basically like when it was when aired on TV, it was an hour and a half block of TV. So the show is normal would normally be an hour with commercials. This was an hour and a half with commercials. So like it's not even one of those pilots where they it's two like they can split it into two episodes. This was an episode and a half. So anyway, I mean, I don't know if that was like, well, well, this episode is going to be 50% longer. So maybe we could wait 50% longer before <laughs> cluing in the audience as to as to why i don't think that's how it works but right and i don't
0: think that's what it was i think it was because because when i work with you with your writing Mm -hmm. the one of the few things that we actually wrestle about is whether or not you're going to tell the audience information yeah right yeah and so i understand it from the production standpoint of no 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 it's gonna be so much better if they don't know yet (laughs) right and my my attention is always on but they will leave yeah, they will leave before you before you're able to tell them that. That's the, just just open with a with with an explanation mm-hmm. so they're able to at least have some anchor sure. for what's happening, right? You're asking them to be in the dark for a very long time um before before you give them the tools to understand what the rules of the game are. Mm-hmm. And that can be frustrating um for an audience and since this was a show that lasted one season, yeah. I I keep looking at it from a standpoint of what would this what would have taken for this to have been a runaway success. Sure. And I f- and I feel like those are some of the places where it's it's hard to get someone involved in watching this like you do with everyone you meet because no one has ever heard of this show until you've told them about <laughs> right, it. Right, right. That you'd have an easier time if it didn't take 15 minutes to at least see the, the photograph, the one photograph was stolen. Right.
1: Yeah, so, so Tom goes to his studio. He breaks in because uh, his key doesn't work, I guess. And everything is there. Except the hidden agenda photo, the the barbed wire frame is there, but no photograph. So, yeah. So he uh he doesn't se- you know like he's not talking to anybody. So it doesn't necessarily become blatant to the audience just yet. But he is beginning to put together that it has something to do with that photo. Also worth noting that while he's in the studio, he hears another breaking glass off in the distance. Does he? Okay. I didn't he does that one, and then. He – it's because a uh, a framed picture on the wall has fallen off. Oh, yeah, okay. He goes over, picks it up, and it is that American Gothic self, self-portrait, self except instead of Tom and his wife, it is that other guy and his wife. Right. So it, it's Allison and that guy that threatened to blow a hole in his leg. So he – The replacement husband. The, the replacement husband, exactly. Yeah. Um, so then smash cut to next morning. Mm-hmm. He's at home. Mm-hmm. A little you know, kid around on a bike, rides by, tosses a newspaper. And, uh, oh, it was all a bad dream. Cool. Okay. Cool. Let's see where this show is going to go after this then. Well, well I, I, the thing was, when when we
0: got there, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure what was happening. I was like, okay, how did he get from the studio to yeah. his house? Yeah. I was like, all right, maybe they knocked him out or something, and he's got a gap of time. And mm-hmm. they moved him back to his house, and now she's going to be replaced with an actor.
1: Oh, so That's what I was expecting. That's actually kind of <laughs> interesting. I would like to see where that show goes. Yeah. Uh, well, So. so he gets up. He, uh, you know, his wife's asleep in bed, the dog's chilling on the floor, dog, you know, dog doesn't freak out or anything, goes and he like washes his face in the bathroom, and he's like, you know, talking about it's all a dream, and then he goes over to his wife, who's like, she's facing the other direction, and then he says, uh, the only remaining question I have is, who is the other guy? Which strikes me as odd, because if it was a dream, (laughs) how would she know what he's talking about? But, at the same time, having been a husband of a wife who has gotten mad at me for things I did in her dreams, <laughs> I can sort of rationalize with the <laughs> I don't know anyway. um, so he goes and he he grabs his wife and sort of pulls her to face him. And she has no face. That's right. yeah. it's and it's legitimately disturbing, yeah. it is possibly the only jump scare this show ever has. i don't I don't recall.
0: And again in terms of your audience doesn't know what the heck is going on now. Mm-hmm. Let's say you are watching this show. Yeah. You get to that frame and go, "Oh, I didn't know this was an aliens show." <laughs> sure. And you shut the, the 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 show off. You think that Nowhere Man is about aliens or magic or something. Yeah. That's why I was like, oh, "I don't I don't know that I like <laughs> this inclusion. It's very creepy." Yeah. It's very creepy. But boy, that's that was the time when I that's when I was that's when I at this point in mm-hmm. watching the show I sent you a message about have you seen the game with Michael Douglas Yeah because I have. was like I'm gonna have to start making comparisons sure because at least in the game in the game you don't know what what's what the game is what w- Michael Douglas signs up for this mysterious game yeah and he doesn't know what it is and in fact it's given to him by his brother right his brother his, yeah. his brother gives him gives him access to the game and so the whole time it's very unclear. Whether or not the game is legit, whether or not it is malicious, what is part of it, what is real,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but the movie is called the game, and his brother gets him into the game. We yeah. watch him go and sign up for it, so we at least have some kind of framework to be comparing against to go. Oh, is this is this part of the game? Yeah, is that part of the game? But at the same time, TV shows work differently than movies. Like I said, this is this this hour and six minute piece of. Screen yeah. time um, <laughs> works perfectly as as what what needs to happen in a first act. Sure. So in that same amount of time in a movie, would be maybe into the third act by that point. Mm-hmm. So you would you would have to do everything that's in this show much 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 faster. Sure. In in a, in a film. So if I just stretch out my audience patience and go okay yeah i would still if if we're just going by act breaks sure i can wait until the end of the first act before i have enough information to go okay it's probably this that's going to to give him some some trouble Mm -hmm. that is okay i see oh i i see yeah i sort of get what show i'm watching it's just i don't think you could do that today sure and the fact that this show didn't have a runaway success yeah. makes me think you maybe couldn't do it in 94 either. Sure, sure. Is it 94 or 95? I n- n- 95. I think 95, 95 and then
1: it ended in 96. Okay. Um, yeah. There, I, I won't make us do it for this show, but there's a um a show that I guessed on a couple times, The Frelcast, which is a Farscape podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, They did a thing where they said for each season, they were like, okay, imagine you're making this show as a 13 episode season. Would you keep this episode or would you cut it out? That's a great premise. So again, I'm not gonna we're gonna not gonna do it for this, yeah. but um it makes me wonder like what would they have done if this were if they knew this was gonna be a 13 episode mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. Especially if they were making all those episodes ahead of time. If it was gonna be on something like Netflix, right. they they would kind of have to have a pretty good idea of where they're gonna go when they start. And then each episode is probably gonna have to be in service of that direction. Whereas with this, I mean this, this was like most TVs, most uh, shows on TV at the time, where, you know, they have an idea of where they're going, but week to week, that can change very, very drastically. So, like, there might be, oh, the first couple episodes are out. They got the Nielsen ratings. The higher ups tell them, hey, we want you to put this in. We want, we want more boobs in the show. So, okay, well, this, they introduce a female character. Oh, well, we want the show to be uh, a bit more. Uh, alien centric, so okay. Well, we got to put in an alien uh, subplot or something. I'm not saying any of this happens with this show, but those are the sorts of things that could happen in this show. Whereas if it was on something like Netflix, where it's 13 episode season and they, all the episodes were going to go out at the same time, they probably wouldn't do that. I imagine. Right, right, and that's and that is that is why I, I tried to
0: just adjust for the times, mm-hmm. gotta adjust go, for infla- inflation. Right. There. Yep. Just go. Okay. Yep. This is how we would have. This, but I, I, because my focus is on how we would do something today, mm-hmm. I just I just kept going. Oh man, yeah. You you gotta give your audience a lot more, sure. If you want them to stick around long enough to get the punchline, way too much setup, not enough punchline. You you, there's just, it's it's a very, I was almost gonna say stingy. Okay. It almost feels stingy. It it almost feels like if if you want me to stick around, just give me something. Sure. I'll stick around. The actors are doing good jobs. Mm-hmm. The scenes are clear. Yeah. But the but the overall premise is still so much so a mystery that a dream sequence is enough for me to think I'm in the wrong genre. Sure. And I just want I want an understanding of. There's going to come a problem later on in the series. Yeah. And I'm curious how it gets solved in episodes two and onward. Okay. Where I almost feel like this would have made a better novel. Sure. Because he can't trust anyone. Mm-hmm. The whole episode, I was like, stop trusting people. Stop telling people things. <laughs> S- start trusting no one. The whole point of this is that you're going to trust no one. Well, no, trust no one was the tagline for X-Files. So Go on, sorry. go on. <laughs> uh, but that also gives him no one to have dialogue with. Sure. And that is super duper tricky. Yeah. Because it's a show where he's going through a massive psychological change. Mm-hmm. So there's no – so it, it requires writing scenes that I did not see and I can't conceive of where instead of talking to someone in order for us to see how he's dealing with this challenge, mm-hmm. he needs to do stuff that shows us how he deals with the challenge. Yeah. And there really wasn't enough of that. There really wasn't from for, for my taste, for me to go like, yeah, this was worth <laughs> not knowing what was going on for at least 15 minutes. Yeah. Um. I I feel like – I'm not saying do this, Mm -hmm. but if they had at least had this happen to two people, that would have changed the dynamic of the show. Sure. Because then they could have been talking about it the whole time instead of just shot after shot after shot of Bruce Greenwood trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. I just think you would have gotten more ability for it to be cerebral. Now, the, the reason I said a novel is because you can go directly into his head in a novel. Sure. That that's why I think this maybe would have worked better as a as as an novel because we need to get inside his head. Mm-hmm. That's that's where I feel like is the the trickiest bit is. He's a good actor. Mm-hmm. There's plenty going on in his face. Well, plenty is maybe not the right word. Yeah, there's I'll, I'll have some thoughts face, about but, that later but on. Not on. In, there's, but I'm just saying, there's <laughs> we're not getting enough. Sure. And and everything has to come through his acting, mm-hmm. which again is you're you're really setting yourself up to write an extremely difficult pilot. Just just make it easy. Yeah. Just make it nowhere men like the name of the podcast. Just 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 make it two people. Or <laughs> Tom and his and, brother John, or, or Tom and his wife, or something. Sure, you know, just, sure. just Make her the, the the She's also a photojournalist, and they took the photograph yeah. together. You know, um, I don't. I, I, I try I, as best as possible. I'm trying not to Monday morning quarterback. Sure, but it I'd is... like to
1: see all shows you've made on UPN. <laughs> exactly,
0: <Steve>. exactly. <laughs> right, it's very difficult. To put these together, yeah, and in many cases you get one shot, sure, because the studios just care about recouping their investment. But it, but I kept, but just as a writing exercise, I just mm. keep trying to figure out what, what what would it have taken to make this gripping to to, to have gripped me at least, right? You yeah. have nostalgia about this because you watched it, yeah, when you were yeah, growing up, definitely. So it it's rooted in your brain in a different way than it is for me, because the closest I have nostalgia is. From, you know, 10, 10 years ago. Right. Like, when I, r-
1: and you didn't even, uh, I guess we didn't really specify this earlier. You didn't watch the whole show. That's right. I did not. You watched maybe two thirds of it. There's like a big, a big like uh, pl- plot twist that gets dropped on you about two thirds of the way through. Uh, and then there's a good number of them after that too. But you didn't get to any of those. You just got to one of them. I don't even know if you remember it. I don't honest. remember.
0: I, I remember so little about okay. this. Like I said, when I, when, the, when we had the, my mother wouldn't come to my funeral line, I was like, <laughs> that she has to come to? Yeah. Like is he does he have to fake his own death? What is this show? I know he's on the run the whole time. What is it? I, so I, I remember very little.
1: Sure. Um yeah, so Dream sequence. Dream is sequence is have. over. Whether that dream sequence worked or not is up for debate. But uh, anyway, next scene is it's daytime and there's a car outside of dry cleaners. His wife Allison comes out of the dry cleaners, she gets in her car, says hello or goodbye or something to the the owner, gets in her car. Tom pops up, pops up out of the backseat and he doesn't like have a weapon or anything. He just kind of like says, I don't know. He, he just like, he scares her. He tells her drive, you know, drive. We'll talk as you drive. So she talks as she drives as they drive away. Of course, though, the uh, store, the shop owner sees this. He he sees someone else is in the car. And I think that is an important detail because if they didn't include that, it's like a, two or three second shot of him like suspiciously, you know, looking over. If that weren't there, it would be very easy to say, oh, there's there's a conspiracy here because someone knew that this was happening. Right. But the fact that they did show that this was just a person at the shop that she was at saw that he was there and called the cops because there was just a guy in her backseat, that there's a lot of points in this where the viewer is, is kind of intended to be questioning is this real right or is Tom just crazy right you know and you and and and
0: again i I am sure that's what that's why the decisions were made mm-hmm. to not give the audience more information yeah and it and it the 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 problem is it is effective in causing that experience mm-hmm. I just don't know that that's good television yeah is where I've just been coming from yeah. is that it you're absolutely right it is very very believable that he's crazy sure even knowing the whole scenario, right? Even even having seen beyond this episode years ago, mm-hmm. it is there is a part of me that's going, yeah, that, that you, you're crazy, Tom.
1: Sure. Just just stop. But like him being crazy could work for this one episode. But if that is ac- if th- there's no way that right, you can no go twenty five episodes there's of no this and that have that's it turn what's out going on. Oh no, he was actually crazy the whole time. Yeah, you
0: know. Right. No, it's just that the that the the, the deception really does it is designed for you not to be able to go oh no the conspiracy people got to him yeah. they don't give you that right they 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 really until the last shot where the guy shows up in the the truck with the yeah, yeah. the cigar stuff the, that's a callback to earlier mm-hmm. there's still a sense of like how much of that was real and how much of that you know was was orchestrated yeah um by the time I was uh, uh, when when I was watching this this time around, and that's why as soon as the the cop does catch up to the car that's that supposedly has been called from the 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 dry cleaner, mm-hmm. um, that's when I was like, "Can you go watch Adjustment Bureau?" Sure, because there's a scene in Adjustment Bureau where he where he's stopped by a cop, and Matt Damon goes, "Oh, you're not you're not even a cop, are you?" <laughs> right, and I right. was like, "That's that that scene which did not exist at the time we were watching this and yeah. the time that it was being made, um." Just made me like, oh, this is not even a real cop. Mm-hmm. It could be a real cop that's going to catch up with him. Yeah. Um, but is is it? I don't. Yeah, I don't you, know that you, it is. You, you don't know. This this show made me paranoid. Like I just I just kept raising my level of paranoia to match the circumstances of this show. Yeah. Um, but the first time I was watching, it, I'm sure I was just like, oh man.
1: <laughs> sure, sure. So, uh, so yeah, Tom he pops up in the back seat and he starts asking his wife. He's you know he's like, who put you up to this? And she's, she says she doesn't know. She's like, I don't know. Uh, you know, it was, it was yeah, some pretty aggressive. Some men, some men put me up to this. They, they said that if I said anything, that they would kill you. And he tells her, you know, I think it was about this photograph. She asks who they are. She doesn't know. And like, okay, he's, it's like he breathes a sigh of relief. He, like, there's like a sh- part where like he like puts his face down. Like you can see, this is like, yeah, this whole time he's been thinking. I'm crazy. And then her finally saying like, they told me they they would kill you if I said anything. It's like, he finally realizes, okay, I'm sane. Right. Then there's another one of those sound effects where it clearly was not diegetic sound. Mm -hmm. And again, I probably, it was probably just because of low budget, but it, it gives the whole show this like dreamlike quality to it where you hear a cop car behind them and, you know, just the little squawk of the, the, the cop's, alarm or whatever like it it's very very obviously just laid over whatever audio they already had but cop pulls them over uh cop and and tom even says he's like yeah just pull over don't you know don't like he does not encourage her to avoid the police or anything because he's relieved he's relieved that he's, he's with his wife right clearly she was doing this to save him she's she's acknowledged that she's his wife so she pulls over cop comes over, asks him to get out, says that somebody saw there was someone in the backseat, and Tom's like, oh, don't worry. I'm, I'm her husband. It's okay. It's okay. And then he asks the wife, he asks Allison, is this your husband? And she says, I've never seen this man before in my life. And it's not just that, but then she looks straight at him, and he's like, but you said, and she's like, what did you expect me to say? And again, going back to the scene where he shows up at the house, judging by the way that she is saying it mm-hmm. whether she is a good actress or a bad actress she is either saying what did you expect me to say you're a maniac or what did you expect me to say he's in on it you have to believe me like right. there 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 is subtext to be read from her her voice but it for me as a viewer i can't be sure if it is like if it is because of good acting and good writing or because of bad acting and bad writing. And that's always where I'm coming from in terms of if you're going to hide stuff from your
0: audience, mm-hmm. you have to convince them that you have everything under control. Sure. And I And so you are you, uh, w- without some prior endorsement, mm-hmm. hey, watch this show. They know what they're doing. Sure. It's going to seem like it's one thing. It's not though. <laughs> you know, th- there because there are Ambiguous lapses mm-hmm. here and there. Yeah, it's harder and harder to, to 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 ask your audience. Okay, but 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 maybe we did this on purpose. Yeah, right. Because that's why that's why when when we're talking video games, mm-hmm. Dark Souls is allowed to do this crap where they don't tell you everything. Sure, because we know that Dark Souls because it's been been seen and someone gave you Dark Souls and said these people know what they're doing. Right. <laughs> right, right. When 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 games quote unquote inspired by Dark Souls. They miss the point. They miss the point. They then they, they they oh it's so much worse than they miss the point. They bungle it terribly. <laughs> yeah. It's because they, they don't understand they they have they have recreated the shape of Dark Souls. Okay. Um this is a metaphor from making comics from Understanding comics, Scott McCloud. Mm-hmm. The way that many young comic artists will copy down the line art of their favorite character and it looks really good to their family. Oh, wow, yeah. you're going to be a comic artist. But if you asked them to do the same character in a separate pose that they weren't able to use as yeah. something as, as exact reference, they wouldn't be able to do it because they don't understand what's actually building up that character. And certainly they wouldn't be able to generate that character for the first time. Mm-hmm. Having spent some time trying to build my own characters is like, oh, wow. It's so much easier to fan art than to build a character from scratch, yeah. Because the character that that is on a show has been very intelligently designed. It's got so much. It's designed to be animated. It's designed to be seen in silhouette. A lot of intelligence. A lot of smarts went into this character looking different from that character. Yeah. You go to make your own. It just it requires a lot of skills. Mm-hmm. So he talked about it in terms of he, he had he had this apple. And okay. And you would see the diagram of the apple and and that a that a full comic artist who is trained has all of the layers of the apple inside of it and the seeds mm-hmm. And that when you have a young comic um artist and they're just tracing, and even if they're not tracing even if they're just using as a, as a direct reference, and they're just recreating their favorite superhero. It's like they're able to recreate the skin of an apple that when you bite into is just the skin of an apple, oh. Okay. You bite into yeah. it, and there's just there's nothing inside.
1: It's a very evocative uh,
0: description. So that's why I wanted to bring it in was because when when we when we see that in Dark Souls, mm-hmm. you say, okay, this is a full apple. Go ahead and eat it. <laughs> right. Because there's so many times people go around biting into a video game, going, "This has nothing in it. This is terrible. I'm tired of early access. I'm tired of indie games. Please sure. stop it." And you go, no, no, no. They know what they're doing. This is a real piece of fruit. Please go ahead. <laughs> So it, with this show, it's ninety five, not ninety four. Ninety five, uh, It's, yeah. it's, it's ninety five. It's TBS. They U, know UPN. It's UPN. <laughs> it's it's not know. even as good as TBS. <laughs> so it's it's you. You've, they've got it. They've got to prove that mm-hmm. they have all of the layers of the apple. Yeah. If they're going to have any uh, any sort of ooh, does this mean that or does that mean does this mean you know the, they 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 leave me with. When we don't know if something was intentional or not in Dark Souls, mm-hmm. because we, we, we've, we've studied the director, we know that there was intentionality. There's occasionally, ooh, maybe we're stretching it too far, but for the yeah. most part, we know that it was deliberately designed to cause us to ask our own questions and seek our own answers. Yeah. That we were, not, they were deliberately not given enough information to know what the real story was. Mm-hmm but they know what the real story is. Sure. Or at least or at least at the at the very top there's some very strong it's not well I don't know. You figure it out, <laughs> right? right? There are some
1: moments in this where it feels very well I don't know. You figure it out where it's yeah and um I guess small I mean not really spoilers but like sort of small spoilers I've read uh, a couple interviews with the creator and to an extent it kind of was like they're they're they they were throwing around a lot of ideas, even as far as the middle of the first season. That was when they were like, "Okay, that I, that one idea that we had a few episodes ago, let's go with that for the rest of the season." And it it does. I think it does show. I I haven't watched so far. I haven't watched as far as I think it's the third episode, but the third episode deals with some stuff that I don't think ever comes up again, and has really weird implications as it's presented so when you know when we get to that point, we'll talk about it, but I do think there is a lot of visible DNA here that didn't come from anywhere and didn't go anywhere so that's so so because that's what I'm getting the sense of from mm-hmm. what I recall
0: and from what I'm seeing now, yeah, that's what I'm saying in terms of you can keep your audience in the dark for fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. and at eighteen minutes, at seventeen minutes, he's in the car, and he's very aggressive with the wife, yeah, and at eighteen minutes. Uh, she finally tells him, and oh, uh, uh, halfway through that minute, they have a wonderful moment of relief, like you said. But I think he puts his head on his shoulder or yeah. something like that. Um, so you can go eighteen and a half minutes before we first have our <laughs> first moment of oh, thank God, yeah, right. Oh, oh, okay, a moment to rest, but you better know what you're doing. <laughs> and I don't, from everything I've I've heard just now, confirmed. N- not necessarily case. Yeah, and so if you're not going to be able to deliver on that high level, mm-hmm. just 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 give your audience the things that they that they ask as a baseline from yeah. every other yeah. TV show, and then do slightly less cool stuff later. But you have an audience for it was just where my request had gotten to. Sure. The longer I watched the show, I was like, okay, are you going to deliver on all this cool stuff, or yeah. are you just doing a TV show? Because at in 1995 TV wasn't considered a high art form. Sure. Which is an important thing to remember. Yeah, that's true. That 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 now TV is considered no
1: less than movies. It was at back then it was basically this is how you sell stuff. Right. You you make a commercial and then you finance a television show to show your commercial. Yeah. So, yeah, as, as a thing that sells
0: commercials, ooh, uh, maybe, yeah. maybe it did a good job. <laughs> but in terms of getting your audience to come back from the, the, the break, that's, that's the thing about network television is mm-hmm. that from everything I understand about net- network television, they are the masters of making sure that you sit through the commercials, come back, and sit through the second set of commercials. Yeah. Because if, if they are only allowed – if they're only able – if they only have an audience that sits through one set of commercials, that cuts all of the other commercial money out of their, That's out of true, their recoup yeah. budget. So it just felt you know, it wasn't Shonda Rhimes. It wasn't, I'm going to make sure that your hand is held okay. from this commercial break to the next commercial break, to next yeah. commercial break to the next commercial break, that that we're gonna make it so you've gotta come back. It was very yeah, so Nowhere Man's happening. You gonna watch that? We're gonna show you some commercials. <laughs> like, I can't imagine watching this show with commercials. I've yeah. never had that, that exact thought. But oh boy, Gabe. Yeah. An extra, what, 24 minutes of commercials? Something like that, yeah. Right, interspersed? Oh, yeah. mm, there are so <laughs> many shows that, that when they first came out mm-hmm. and the only way to watch them was Hulu with ads. Sure. There was no such thing as Hulu without ads yet. That it only took one or two commercial breaks for me to stop watching that show. Okay. Because I had to watch, I had to sit through commercials yeah. in order to be awarded the next segment of the show. And if the show wasn't really doing great, I had 600 Steam games that I could be playing. Yeah. Or yeah. all of television on Netflix. So back when Netflix had TV shows on it and not just their own content. <laughs> right, right. So this show was tricky to want to stick through yeah and i didn't have to sit through commercials you, you gotta, had to, if you had to show up at an exact time and sit through commercials but then again what else was there to do
1: that's there wasn't, fair, that's there wasn't true Netflix, There that's weren't a good point 600 games on steam that's exactly you know. true you own two video
0: games <laughs> <laughs> they were yeah. they were a generation behind right and you had a vhs tape of Spaceballs. that's what <laughs> that's
1: what 1995 was that's that's what 1995 was for anybody who uh, was not there <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good point that yeah that that's, that, that
0: is, that is, that is, that is, I am not giving them a fair.
1: Sure. But, but, you know, everybody has to, has to judge things based on when you saw it. Yeah. If it worked then, that doesn't mean it worked now. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll keep going yep, and, yep, and, yep, yep. you know, see, see if your opinion changes. Maybe, right. maybe it will, maybe it won't. Yep. I don't know. Um, So, so. You know, Allison, basically, uh, she throws him under the bus, figuratively speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tom, being the guy that just will not act sane, yeah. screams, they're all in on it, and attacks the cop. <laughs> the cop you know, beats him down. The cop has, is a cop. I... I wanted him to attack the cop. Honestly. Really? <laughs> I, I just
0: I, I was mad that he didn't get away. Yeah. <laughs> I was mad that he
1: attacked the cop, but wasn't prepared to follow through on it. I was like, "Get out of there! You're right. They are all in on it." On one hand, I think that I agree, but on the other hand, I don't want to see Tom just out on his own running around anymore. Like I I like where the show goes for the next segment. Okay. For the next act or whatever. Yeah. And.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 If
1: he was just in the wind some more. Oh boy! Because we'll seen get the... we'll get plenty of that as the show goes on. Don't yeah. worry. And I, I like the show. I'm not saying this show isn't good. Right. I do I do think this show yeah, is, yeah. is worth watching. Uh, but anyway, so cut to commercial. Right. Uh, eat Kit Kats. Here. Uh,
0: try <laughs> Gabe's Ant's caramel corn.
1: It's the caramelist. <laughs> but up um. There you go. Okay. Uh. So. Uh, the next scene, <laughs> one of the characters is sitting in the scene eating caramel corn. Mm, this is the best caramel corn. I should call Gabe's aunt and get some more. Uh, so he, uh, the next scene is at Callaway Psychiatric Hospital. So because Tom... Or is it? Sorry? Oh, just, you know, I don't buy anything at this point. Oh, okay, okay. Right? Valid, valid point. So go ahead. Um, So because Tom's acting like a maniac, they took him to a, uh, a madhouse. And... Uh, so Tom is uh, is being interviewed by a psychiatrist, I guess, in the flimsiest straight jacket I have ever <laughs> seen. We have it up on the screen right now. It looks like it's made of a shirt. like It does a little bit. A straight jacket, you know, you expect a certain amount of, like, durability. Like a are thick, almost. That's exactly, like yeah. Material. But this one, I swear, it looks like... It looks like it's made out of just like his cotton undershirt. It just has some extra sleeves or something.
0: I will say, though, yeah.
1: that thematically, mm-hmm.
0: it 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 can be argued to fit in that I am saying I feel like the people who are creating this ruse mm-hmm. don't have to do that much most of the time. The, okay. the guy will say eventually yeah. most people just give in. Right, okay. they just they they feel that they've been beaten, and they just give him. Yeah. So, just putting a person in a straitjacket mm-hmm. when you have that much power and have they they expect him to be very very low willpower at this point. Sure. To not be willful, and it reminds me of a, a story about. And I don't know that this is true, but this but the but the idea is you can you can keep an elephant in check. By putting a chain around its its neck and uh, that's bolted to the ground uh-huh. when it's a baby. Yeah. And it will get all of its, ah, I'm going to try to get out of this, you know, it, it will get all of its freedom energy completely broken. Uh, it will have its spirit broken by the mm-hmm. time that it is old, by the time it's fully grown. Yeah. You don't need a chain anymore. You can do it with a string. That just having a thing around its neck, it won't test it again. Uh-huh. Um, which just that shows up in all sorts of personal development stuff about, hey, very sad story. It's a very, thank you (laughs) for bringing this down. (laughs) That, that, that as humans, Uh you have the ability to check again, whether or not the things that you think are holding you back are as strong as they once were. Sure. And that most people won't most people that, that that's the that's that's why i don't know that it's an actual true story or just an, a good visual representation for hey have you checked to make sure that you're actually bound in chains because you might actually just have a string around you yeah and that's what comes to mind for me when i see this very flimsy jacket. i didn't realize the, that the straight jacket was flimsy <laughs> yeah but i'll tell you everything i've studied about human psychology says every person who sat in that straight jacket before him was a broken person by the time they put him in that straight jacket. So it didn't need to be anything more than a long sleeve t-shirt. I guess.
1: I mean, this is a, just another one of those things that maybe it's the result of good uh good budget and good direction. Maybe it's a result of low budget and bad direction. I don't know. And that is so just <laughs> that is <laughs> we... seem, seems to be this show in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, so Are we making excuses or are they smart? That's there you go. That's the question. So he's uh he's being questioned by a psychiatrist Dr. Bellamy. And the first thing that we see Dr. Bellamy do, he's kind uh, would of, would it be okay if I yeah, alter the description? Go
0: for it. I would love to say, that's why when you said where he's in the, a psychiatric, uh, 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 that when you said he's in a psychiatric hospital, I was like, yeah. maybe, right? <laughs> Here's how I would set the scene. You, yeah. You've set the scene. Here's my description. Okay. We see Tom in what he is pretty sure is a straitjacket in what we're <laughs> what is a room that professes to be a room in a mental hospital. <laughs> And a man sitting down in a chair who's smoking a cigar who claims to be a doctor. Okay. When I saw him, I was like, stooge. That's not a doctor. That is a stooge. Look at that guy. That is a fat cat. You don't get to just be fat on TV for no reason. Yeah. I say as an overweight person, you're not allowed to be on TV overweight unless it is part of the script. Everybody's thin on TV. Everybody. Everybody. So that didn't look like a doctor to me. That looked like somebody who was well fed by the money of whatever okay, okay. terrifying force <laughs> is ruining his life. So it just he didn't he didn't he also doesn't sit like a doctor. <clears throat> That's true. He sit he sits sort of you know just very confidently. Mm-hmm. He looked like somebody who has been driving in a limo for his whole life, which I suppose you could as a, as a doctor if you're if you're you know been running a mental hospital and you make I don't know executive kind of money from that maybe yeah. But it definitely wasn't. I've seen plenty of depictions of mental health professionals in television and film that have much more empathy okay. for their patients yeah. than you're gonna see in this in this man. So just just for anybody who hasn't seen it yet and is relying on us to describe it to them. Maybe you're, you know, on, on your commute and you just like to listen to people describe shows, I just wanted to offer a counter description of him that, that was That's uh, perfectly fine to me. It was that's what he looks like is hmm.
1: So the first time that we see Dr. Bellamy, he has a cigar. Yeah. Uh, and he has a pencil, and he is basically poking the end of the cigar that's going to go into his mouth with the pen with, with the pencil so that it has a hole for the smoke to go right. into his mouth. Instead of having a, a cigar, what is a cutter? Now here's okay. Okay. I am not I've never smoked a cigarette. On a couple occasions I can say I attempted to smoke a cigar. Mm-hmm. I cannot say whether I was successful or not. Okay. Do you cut? the side that goes in your mouth or the side that doesn't because I thought it was both. Well, if, I don't if, know. If Neither of us know we shouldn't be on a
0: podcast. <laughs> wondering. We should because, Google it
1: now because I, the very first time I was ever going to smoke a cigar, I was with our uh, mutual friend, Jeff. Uh-huh. And he, re- I think he recommended you to like break off the end of it or something like okay. that. Cause we don't have a cutter. Okay. And he said, you cut off the end that you're going to light. The part that goes in your mouth, like oh, the smoke's gonna find its way through. Not, to, don't worry about that. Is what he told me. Okay. But after watching this show when I was a kid, I assumed oh, it needs a hole to, for the smoke to come to your mouth. That's why you use a cigar cutter. But I don't know.
0: I thought you needed a. I th- see. I, I don't know. I thought you had to kill the 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 whole front. You had to you had to cut the front, uh-huh. and then you need a small hole in the back that you would just like cut a small hole in the back. That's what I thought.
1: I don't know. Maybe that's why I can't. Confidently say, I've successfully smoked a cigar. Maybe Jeff know. gave me some bad advice. I don't know that yeah, we don't know Jeff's aptitude <laughs> Je- Jeff is the, maybe Jeff is the worst cigar <laughs> smoker
0: in the world, but he doesn't realize it. We don't know if Jeff doesn't know what he's talking about. see this is why this falls under the category of is this show just doing crazy stupid crap, or do they know they' you know. Yeah. They, yeah. th- they think we're all cigar smokers watching this show and that we know exactly what's going on there. Oh, just adding element after element of uncertainty. Yep.
1: Yeah. So uh, so anyway, he pokes pokes the cigar with a uh, with a pencil. And then he actually he even stops before he lights it. And he asks Tom, "Do uh, you mind if I smoke? And then you know, Tom says, yeah, sure. So he, he he smokes and he says, like, he's not supposed to, which makes sense. Makes sense that a, a psychiatrist should not be smoking in the room with the person in the very flimsy <laughs> straight jacket, but uh, you know it's it it it's like you were saying it that might lead some credibility to like is this guy even actually a psychiatrist if he's doing this, um, and if he
0: is someone who is part of the ruse, mm-hmm. he would know that Tom has a smoking habit.
1: Oh, I didn't even think of that. That he's not supposed to have. Yeah.
0: So I don't know. That's a real good point. Could just be a smoker going. It's ninety five, and I'm not supposed to be doing this. Yeah, could but be, it could, could be, be someone who knows that by smoking in front of him, that is non-neutral. Sure, right. That 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 he is trying to build. Because you got to remember, once he's in the me- in the mental hospital,
1: mm-hmm.
0: unless the mental hospital is real, which I don't think it is. <laughs> okay, their aim is to get him on their to get on to get on his good side. Okay. To earn his trust, right? So then, every single thing they say that would build trust, like, "Oh, I'm a smoker like you, but oh, I'm not supposed to, just like you," mm-hmm. right? I'm
1: like, "Oh man," you know. <clears throat> uh, I'm going to say something that I, I hope is not any sort of a spoiler, but I had I had never thought to myself, "Oh, well, this isn't a real uh, psychiatric hospital." Really? Like, I that had never occurred to me because okay. I mean, I guess spoiler for this episode eventually Tom is not in the psychiatric hospital anymore. And he does never come back to the psychiatric hospital. I don't think if he does, I don't remember it, but there is an event that happens in a much later episode that I do remember that now has me questioning. Is it because this isn't a real psychiatric hospital? Okay. I'll it's, it's from what I recall, it's a ways off. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll forget that I even said this. (laughs) I don't know. We'll see. But, but again, I wanted to pre- preface this by saying I did not ever think that this was not a psychiatric hospital. That's fascinating to me. I just chalked all of this uh, shirt, straight jacket stuff to it just being low budget. Right. But there might be stuff that supports what you're saying. I don't know. Yeah. We'll, we'll explore
0: that as we go. One detail, I don't know if you're going to get to it, yep. is we've got to pause now. But if if if
1: you keep watching, mm-hmm. there is a wackadoodle zigzag pattern on the wall. I did not notice that. Uh, I do know that the this whole room, like it's the, a weird room. The, there's there's this shot they keep going back to of Tom in his you know single plot. Oh my goodness, yeah, it's very zigzagging. That is very As zigzagging, an Afghan,
0: basically. I
1: would not ever expect a. <laughs> A psychiatric one, hospital to have that. <laughs> and it's got, kind of like, a stained glass window next to it. Yeah, yeah. There's a bust in the other... <laughs> well, so I was going to say, yeah. there's this shot they keep going back to of Tom in this single-ply straight jacket, where he's on the right side of the screen. On the left side of the screen is this, like, bust of David or something. The, the single window, which is 10 feet up in the air, is shining a beam of light down on this bust of David or whatever. And it's, like, it's very picturesque. I'm sure they use that for some posters, but... Uh, it's it is it is all very like I don't use this expression, so I don't know if I'm using this right, but it's very extra. Like, I don't know what that means, but I imagine it to mean like it it is over the top. Yeah. Um. So one thing that I that I found out about the casting of Dr. Bellamy by listening to the uh, the commentary. OK, I don't know if I didn't catch whether they were they told this to every person who was applying for the role or if it was just something they told to this guy. But. They had this guy, the actor that plays him is uh, Michael Tucker and they told him play this character like he is the most friendly person in the world because if I'm if you see me on the street and I'm smiling at you, you might say oh, there's a friendly guy smiling at me but if there is harsh shadows on my face and like, it's raining and the rain doesn't even seem to phase me and i'm smiling at you you're going to be terrified you're not going to think oh that's a friendly guy that's like this man has been stalking me and he's going to kill my dog and eat it in front of me because of the juxtaposition because of the juxtaposition exactly this character if you take him completely out of the context of the show basically everything he says is very friendly he cooperates with tom more than he probably should given the circumstances giving the given the 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 ruse so to speak. He is friendly and he's cooperative. Just he is trying to, it seems he is trying to prove to Tom that he is, Tom is delusional. But of course, when you put him in this room where there is the single beam of light on the bust of David and the wackadoodle zigzag pattern on the walls and he's smoking where he's not supposed to smoke. He looks as sinister as possible. That's very true.
0: You're right. Cause I'm, I'm going back to my earlier statement about, you know, I've seen therapists on TV with more empathy. You're mm-hmm. right. He actually is. If we were to if we were to take him out of the context of oh, I don't trust this guy. Yeah. Uh, no, you're right. He, that that it's because I'm coming up with a bias of oh, I don't trust anything. Sure. But if he came in earlier, that'd be interesting to see see this recut. If 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 after the first time he goes to the house, you know, and we so there's no escalation. We don't see the the mm-hmm. studio. We don't see the if that was all implied or something. Um. Yeah, I might be more inclined to be like, "Oh, what a friendly guy he is." Yeah. Oh, he's just having a friendly little cigar, <laughs> but you know, when I look at him, it, it definitely just felt—I felt so menacing.
1: Sure. So, it's. Um. I. I don't want to get into it too much, but it's a phenomenon that I see a lot in TV shows where the main character is supposed to be, uh, where the main character is where, where the main character is like an antihero. Where and I'm not saying that this is the case, but I see this a lot in these types of shows where you assume that someone is a bad person because they are opposed to the main character. Mm. Even when the main character does things far worse, again, I'm not saying that Tom does, right. but when the main character is against somebody, you see everything they do in the worst possible light, Yeah, it seems. So anyway, I just think that's probably, that's probably just, just part of mind. this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one thing I forgot to mention that I think is, is great is when Dr. Bellamy starts to light up the cigar and he says to Tom, mind if I smoke? Tom's response is, Mind if I leave? <laughs> and uh, and and then Dr. Bellamy, he he does make a comment about like you know, uh, he's, he's he's making a joke, you know, like he's 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 using humor as a defense mechanism and so on, um,
0: as an ingratiating mechanism.
1: Yeah, and so uh, Dr. Bellamy asks him, "Do you understand why you were brought here?" And Tom's response, I think, is great: "Is I understand the circumstances under which I was brought here. It's the why I'm not too sure about." So like he. Thinks he is sane. He knows all of the events that have happened so far, but he doesn't understand why. And that is that is something that will continue through the show as the show uh, goes on. Um, Dr. Bellamy gives him some good advice. He says, if you want to make a good impression, you've got to keep your emotions in check. Tom does not keep his emotions in check in this scene or in any other scene. Um, Tom says, what I'm telling you is the truth. Dr. Bellamy says, your truth. And I just, I think that's, that's something that so, so few people... Don't understand, uh, including psychiatric patients, I guess is just that. Just because you saw something one way doesn't mean that it is incorrect to see it another way. There's there's the there's an image that is floating out there on the internet that is common where like one person sees there's there's a a cylinder. I think there's there's a different versions of this, but a cylinder is floating and there are two lights being shined on it. Mm-hmm. One of those lights shows a circle because it's head on. The other one is shining from the side. So that's a rectangle, right? One person's going to see a circle. One person's going to see a rectangle just because one person sees a circle doesn't mean that it is not the truth that another person sees a rectangle. So just possibly as a, a way to, again, reiterate that, like, maybe Tom is crazy or something, but just because what you saw happened or you saw it happen doesn't mean that everything you're saying is true. I don't know if I'm making any sense. with
0: you know, it. yeah, I know the. I, I haven't actually heard the one with the with the cylinder before, mm-hmm. but I I know the one that's you know there's a picture that looks like a duck or a rabbit depending on sure the sure. way that you're looking at right. There's the two faces together that make up a vase. Yeah, in the middle there's there's, there's a lot of different ways to show a class of college freshmen in the psycholo- in the first psychology class. What if the thing you think isn't the only <laughs> thing that could be thought? Right. Um. And that, and that you need to build a more complex model that yep. you're saying, no, this is it. No, this is it. Well, build a more complex model and you realize, oh, I see. Depending on where we're standing, it dramatically changes mm-hmm. our, our, our experience of whatever we're looking at, which is part of how, how magicians are able to do magic tricks mm-hmm. is they're, they're able to know most people are going to not also do the psych experiment stuff in the middle of a magic show. Sure. Right. They're going to say, look at this circle. And they're not, and they're going to rely on the fact that you've shown them the front of a cylinder and no one's going to remember that there's a rectangular side to it. Okay. And that that's how magicians are able to get you. They they, they they rely on the laziness of the brain. Yeah. To trick you into the narrative they are feeding you for what reality is so that you don't notice any of the inconsistencies. Yeah. Because a ruse like this is a magic trick. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's. Or they are, you know, they they have infinite amounts of money, and this show makes no sense, right? That's yeah, that's why I'm yeah. saying. That's why I'm taking the time <laughs> to say. The only way I can justify this existing, as a viewer, is that they just
1: are real smart about how dumb people are. Hmm. Um. So, uh, at the end of the scene, um, Doctor Bellamy, you know, asks him like, "Well, who can corroborate your story?" And Tom's like, "Oh, uh, my friend Larry. Uh, you know, there's my wife. Oh, wait, I can't ask my wife because my wife." You know, whatever he starts like naming, all... he's like, I got a whole, I can, I can give you a whole page of names, and they're like, okay, yeah, we'll we'll look into those people. You know, I, I guess we'll try to call those people and see see what's going to happen. Um, they ask him, do you have any family? And he's like, oh, uh, I have a mother. Ooh, you grabs a collar <laughs> and pulls his collar, let steam out. Um, you know, clearly he's he's not he's not too keen on them calling his mother, but you know, I I guess he, I don't think they explicitly say it, but I, I think it's it's assumed that they. He event he gives in, you know, he says, OK, contact my mother because, um, you know, he has, somebody has to be able to corroborate a story. They can't have gotten to everybody or whatever, you know, whatever crazy sounding thing Tom would likely say in this situation. Um, so uh, they cut to the next scene, Tom's in his room and uh, there is another person in his room. I'm not I'm not clear whether this other person is his roommate or if he just was in the room watching Tom. Sleep or whatever, but it is uh Ted Levine, an actor been in lots of things. He was Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. Have you seen Silence of the Lambs? No, it's a horror movie, it's a great horror movie. But he was, he was, I know a, a lot of the plot just because the shows have been writing, sure, books, sure, all the time. Um, so he, he was Buffalo Bill in that. He was on the show Monk, mm-hmm. that's uh, that's where was, I know him from. Yeah, he, he was uh, um, Captain Stallomire's yeah. Captain, yep, and anyway, and uh, he was also. <laughs> because he was Buffalo Bill, he was the inspiration for the voice of Chris Griffin on Family really? Guy. When Family Guy was, they were, they were, you know, auditioning, when Seth Green was auditioning, he did an audition where he just sounded like a normal kid and they are like, okay, yeah, thanks, whatever. But then he was like, can I do it a little differently? And they said, sure. And he did basically what Buffalo Bill would have sounded, basically what this actor would have sounded like as a teenager. Because this <laughs> actor, if you're not familiar with Ted Levine, he has this very low voice that he talks about in a very, very particular way, all the time, and so Chris Griffin is basically that, but as a teenager. So, um, anyway, so Ted Levine plays character Eddie. He's another another. I was about to call him an inmate. I mean, I guess he's another patient in this in this uh, this uh, facility. Yeah, definitely. Where is he? Go ahead. <laughs> well, okay, okay. Um, and so he comes over. He introduces himself, and he basically like I didn't write down all their dialogue, but. He basically starts, like, telling Tom, you know, like, you gotta, you gotta play along. You're not gonna beat them in their own game. And he starts saying a lot of, it sounds like he knows exactly what Tom is going through. And Tom, rather than being suspicious, is like, whoa, seriously? Do you, do you think it's about the photograph? Or the men in the photograph? And then Eddie's like, I'm a mental patient. What are you asking me for? Which is a very, very good point. Uh, And, you know, Eddie doesn't trust anybody, he says, you know, don't trust the professionals. And he, he has a line um, when Tom is like, you know, I told him about all my friends, I gave him all my friends' numbers, somebody will corroborate my story. And Eddie's like, listen here, candid camera, you don't, you don't know dip. You don't have any friends. And uh, Tom sort of takes from this that, like, Bellamy is in on it. You know, he gave Bellamy all this information. Tom, for the first time, is like, whoa, does that mean I can't trust Bellamy? Which, to you, Steve, I'm sure, is right. like, Duh. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so... Um, but I had seen this 10 years ago and I know the premise of the show.
0: So, yeah, yeah. you know.
1: So, said he says to him, next time you see Bellamy, ask him about Dave Powers. It doesn't elaborate, just, you know, just leaves him with that. Um, so the next scene is a day out, I guess. Again, I, I mentioned earlier that Dr. Bellamy is very accommodating with Tom. Mm-hmm. Tom even mentions, like, he, they probably shouldn't be taking him anywhere without a straitjacket or without handcuffs or whatever, but Dr. Bellamy is doing exactly that. They hop in a van. It's just him, Bellamy, and the driver, who was the driver was an orderly that was present when Tom was being interviewed. Mm-hmm. Um they go out in the car and then the van. Um again, Dr. Bellamy takes out a cigar, pokes it with another pencil, you know, just another little just a reiteration of the trademark, I guess. Um, Bellamy explains that he's taking him for a real world reality check. So like, he wants to get him out there, put him in front of, you know, evidence that may or may not corroborate his story. See if it helps Tom come to terms with what's happening. So they get to his art studio. They get there and Tom, Tom tells him like, we can't get in here. We don't, I tried my key. The keys have all been changed. And Dr. Bellamy says, well, uh, I called ahead and he just opens the door. The door's already unlocked. And when they go inside, Tom, this makes no sense to Tom, because we were talking earlier about how uh, Tom doesn't really seem to want an audience or he doesn't seem to want his his art to be entertainment. Right. And he says here, like, this is not this studio is not open to the public. You can't call ahead to get in here. The only reason people were able to go in in the first place was because he was specifically putting on an exhibit. But when they get there, it's open. There's like a woman at a desk for any visitors or whatever. All the art's there. You know, maybe. We'll, we'll get to that. Uh, so you know, Tom is just acting like a paranoid maniac, basically. He's like freaking out that this woman is like, I've never seen her before in my life, and so on and so on. Uh, but they look around. Tom is like pointing out, oh, I took this picture in Guatemala. I took this one in Argentina. This one, this one. He's like naming off all these photos. But he sees one photo is not there. Again, hidden agenda. He says that, Whatever is going on it has something to do with this this photograph. So uh, the the woman at the desk comes over, asks them if she can help them with anything. And Dr. Bellamy says, like, oh, can we meet the the photographer? We would love to, you know, love to, to give him some feedback on his art. And she says the photographer is overseas right now, which I think is interesting because previously when Tom snuck into, he broke into the studio, he saw that American Gothic self-photo, self-portrait. Which was of the guy that was at the house, but if he's overseas, is it is is he the photographer, and is he overseas? But basically, it doesn't quite seem to add up. But right. that might be go, be going with what you were saying of, you know, they're 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 just saying what like what they have to say because they don't think Tom's going to look too far into it.
0: Right, he's so on edge. Yeah, and and he he I was going to say what's the timestamp roughly?
1: Uh, I guess gets here about. 29 minutes about 20 minutes uh
0: in a in a few minutes so a half hour into the show he's gonna do the first smart thing
1: okay in the in the whole show yeah um which but- i feel like i would not do in that situation <laughs> but that's probably why i would not have a show made about me
0: so that's why so that so that's what i'm saying is that that the the premise of this whatever force that's able to erase your life mm-hmm. this is the first time they've had trouble with it Sure. They it is a well oiled machine by this point and that most people just aren't paying enough attention. Yeah. And so I was thinking about when, when he broke into the studio, we have it on the background here. Yeah. When he when he was breaking in the studio today, I was like, Yeah. Now they replaced him in the shot where he's the farmer and the new and then the replacement husband is the farmer. Mm-hmm. Why is his wife in there? they should go question the wife about that photograph. And I was like, with what resources they've already won at this point. Yeah, He's already been, you know, the, the, the police Mm -hmm. gave him over to the mental hospital. So, (laughs) you know, what, what is he going to do? He has no leg to stand on. He has no ally. So even if he has that thought in his head, which again, Mm -hmm. if this were a book, yeah, we'd be able to know he's figured that out, but he's not going to say anything because why is it going to bother? But I mean, maybe that's why he says so many things and and he doesn't keep it cool. It would be even harder to watch television if it was him keeping cool and not saying things and not having outbursts. It would just be shots of him going along with it as opposed to be very interesting inside his head. Mm -hmm. Right. That would be interesting. If he shut the hell up and played (laughs) along a little bit, it would be interesting. But we'd have nothing to look at except for his, you know, golden locks with
1: the uh, (laughs) – With the, the jean the jacket yeah. over the the flannel shirt um so Tom's trying to he's trying to prove to Dr Bellamy like he knows his way around this studio like he knows where they keep all their hazardous chemicals and he pulls open the closet full of coffee no 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 okay well what about all my papers and he pulls open the filing cabinet, which is just empty and he of course freaks out he's like, no no they they this is all their fault they're you know whatever um but then then Tom realizes. The negatives of the photo, or I'm guessing the negatives of all of the photos. Probably. He says he hid the negatives. There's no way they would have found them. Right. And Dr. Bellamy, I don't remember if he says anything, but he sort of like gives an indication that like, so you're saying you're not paranoid yet. You hide the negatives for your photos. And to which Tom responds, you know, there's such a thing as healthy paranoia, which, okay. Yeah, I, I sure. Um, so Tom is about to go and, and well again as a photojournalist. Yeah, it's not it's not out of the question sure. that you
0: get in with the that you get in trouble with the wrong people. Yeah, that you would need to, especially when you are on assignment, mm-hmm. when you are when you are or if you've sent yourself to wherever you're going in the world, you wouldn't just walk around with a sign that says "looking for a story of wrongdoing." <laughs> <laughs> because that would get you killed yeah. a lot faster than if you knew to stick your negatives in your boot. Sure. So sure. that part is plausible to me that he would have hidden the negatives. That's okay. that's not completely out there for, for me, just just given
1: his profession. Mm-hmm. Um. So uh, while Tom is about to – he's about to go and get these negatives from wherever they're hidden and Bellamy gets a phone call. Mm-hmm. And he takes – I think what's important is that he takes the phone call. I think that if he, if this, he were just a normal psychiatrist out trying to prove to a patient that you are delusional, he probably would be giving that patient his undivided attention. But instead he takes this phone call and he sort of like, you know, turns his back and, you know, is, is answering the phone and he's, Tom clearly overhears this. Like Tom, like here's this while he's, he's doing that. He's, he's, he was walking and then he does that walk where he's like raising his eyebrows and trying not to turn his head to look, but like clearly listening in. And uh, so Bellamy is making, he's, Talking to somebody, and he's he's making plans to meet with somebody. Well, the, when
0: Bellamy's on the call, uh-huh. he is talking subserviently. Okay, that he, makes sense. He is he is. It's it's to me at least. It looked mm. very clear that Bellamy did not have the power in whatever phone call he was having. Okay, that someone else was checking up on him, and there were, and there was a moment where it looks very much like he was he, he wanted to be like there are negatives.
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> where yeah. where
0: he goes. No, no, I'll have to talk to you about that later or something. Okay. There there is a moment during the call that yeah. looks very much like, uh, we missed a thing, but I can't tell you about it because of the lie that we are doing. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, that's what I saw in the phone call. Okay. And that that gave me enough to go, ah, that's what he's seeing, and that's what makes
1: him finally wise the hell up. Sure. And start playing against their game. I didn't catch the subservient thing, and that's a that's a great detail. I wish I had noticed it because another another show that did something similar, remember Heroes. Yeah. The first season of Heroes, uh, which, let's be honest, was the only season of Heroes. Just don't. <laughs> anyway. The first season of Heroes, for the first, like, ten episodes, the... Uh, I, I would say the primary antagonist, like, there's another antagonist that is building right. his way up, but the primary antagonist is a man who uh, people just refer to as the man with the horn-rimmed gra- right. glasses, and then Mr. Bennett, like, he, they give him a last name, but he doesn't even have a first name said until the very end of the first season, yeah. but... He is like the primary antagonist for the first half of the first season, and you think like he's the head of this organization as far as you can tell, and he's getting all these people with superpowers and doing all these tests on them. but there is a scene where he's out in the hall and he's talking to somebody on the phone he's explaining what they're doing and then he then he stops in the middle of a sentence and you hear him say, "Yes sir," and that moment the entire dynamic of the character for the viewer has changed and that makes that's a great point for this. I wish I had noticed it. I wonder if it, if it would have been more pronounced had we seen more of Doctor Bellamy because up to this point sure. we've only seen maybe five minutes worth of worth of him. But in any case, great point. Thank you. So Tom notices this more than I did,
0: and then if it's even there, if it's if but it's that's, even there. that's the thing, right? That's that's what we're talking about. In order to do this, everything is a double, triple, quadruple bluff show. Yeah. It's got to definitely be there. I could be reading into a thing, right? That isn't there. I think it's there. I do think it's there from yeah. from from what I recall seeing. But was it? Sure, even, sure. Right. So it's it's very possible. That's why you know you didn't see it is because it's not even <laughs> maybe, really there. Maybe right? maybe. So I don't know. But
1: go ahead go ahead. So uh, Tom goes and he you know goes over to this table. Mm-hmm. Reaches under the table, feels along. There's a good... I just... I like this shot of him, like, his hand just, like, kind of frantically feeling around on the underside of this table. Nothing's there. So he, like, slams his fist on the table. He says, oh, they must have gotten him. And Bellamy comes over and he actually gives Tom some pretty good advice, I think, which is, confusion isn't necessarily a bad thing. Under the circumstances, being a little less sure of things might just prove to be the road to recovery. Now, of course... We have a pretty good feeling that Tom is not crazy. But if Tom were crazy, this would be some very good advice. Mm-hmm. It's okay if you're confused. Don't try and get rid of that. Don't try and tell yourself you shouldn't be confused. Try and question why you're confused. You know, like, think about the fact that you're confused and grow from that. This line, I think, is 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 clever. And this is
0: part of why I didn't think it was a real mental hospital okay. overall. Because in a very short bit, he's back at the mental hospital. He's going to hear that same line said again, right? Right. right. And so that makes him a little bit more suspicious. It mm-hmm. sort of brings him back onto the
1: no. To me, though, I feel like it's just that, well, Eddie clearly has heard that same line.
0: Well, so what I was going to say yes, is sorry. that – no, it's okay. It's that um, I saw on Weeds uh, years ago. I didn't watch the whole show. Mm-hmm. But um, the, you know their uncle comes over and he goes, okay, when you grow up and you want to get a lot of dates with women – you need one funny joke and one really good meal that you can cook. And that will get you plenty of dates. Okay. You don't need a second joke because they need to hear you <laughs> say one funny joke and they'll assume you have many more funny jokes. Sure. They don't need you. You don't need to learn how to make two dishes really well. You make one dish really well and they'll say, oh, he can cook. Yeah. And that will that will land you plenty of dates. So the fact that it was repeated again for me mm-hmm. was not just, oh, he's heard it before, but rather that is their one trick. Okay. It is a good piece of advice, and just like a a, a, a guy who's you know trying to just pick up women and mm-hmm. doesn't actually want a real relationship, where it turns out you need to be able to cook. Gabe, you know how to cook more than one thing, right? I do. Yeah, and you've said more than one funny thing.
1: I, a couple. I, I hope Lisa's at least laughed more couple. than once. <laughs> right? right?
0: That 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 you're good. That that dating. Mm-hmm. When when you're doing dating a numbers game, yeah. you're able to keep up an image a lot longer than someone who's actually in a real relationship. Sure. So that that the fact that they had it's a really good line, like you're saying about oh you know under the circumstances, confusion might be the first, you know path the step on, on your path to recovery or whatever, um, is a great line, but that's all they need. Yeah. To keep this ruse up, that's that's part of what for me, continued to layer in the idea of, I don't know that these aren't actors. Sure. That these aren't just a group of people who show up, they fill up this room, you know, that, yeah, okay, I buy that. That's a mental hospital. But for starters, because they told me it's a mental hospital. (laughs) Right. And because there's a ping pong table, and I've seen that in a TV show somewhere, (laughs) right? Yeah. But like, it's not hard to get your hands on a ping pong table that you use every once in a while for, you know, clearly it's important, Mm -hmm. right? That they get him destroyed. By this, that sure. they that they ruin his mind. By this, it really wouldn't take that many resources to fake the hospital, um, but they would have to say some smart, nice stuff every once in a while. When you're talking about they're they're taking the trip yeah. in the in the car, right? Oh, maybe I should have a straight jacket on for this, right? Because again, everything I'm seeing is them building trust. Mm-hmm. they try their job now is to build trust with him because the mental hospital has the ability to remove all remaining confidence that he has yeah. in his previous life. And so of course he's not in a straitjacket because their job is to build trust with him. Mm-hmm. They don't want him to be against the the hospital. That's why I don't know what your your opinion of Eddie here is that we're that we're going to be moving into. Yeah.
1: But I I'm not 100% convinced that he's not also a plant. I mean, that, that very well could be. I saw him as something different. I saw him as like, he's the patient that's been there for a long time and he know, he's, he's wise to their stuff. Right. But that's a lot less nuanced than what you're saying. Which is that all they need is one person who shows up yeah. and says, listen, man,
0: here's the rules. Right. Right. Look at what bad things are going to happen if you try to fight them. Mm-hmm. Just give up. You don't have any friends. Right. That way they're playing it from both sides. Mm hmm. So that they're controlling completely his worldview. Yeah, that they they are choosing what pieces of of, of advice he's he's, he's getting. Hmm. And I don't. And the thing is, I don't know because <laughs> because you would need stre- you know very high production values and a very trustworthy director, mm-hmm. writer, director, creator um, for us to know whether or not. Am I reading into it like a yeah. like a yeah. you know the the joke about? There's a meme about what the author really meant. The curtains were blue. That's the color I picked for the curtains. What, the, what your AP Lit teacher thinks. And it's a huge big paragraph of, well, the blue represents the sky, which represents freedom, which is what the yeah. characters are. Right? It's very hard to know with this series, am I picking up on the stuff they're laying down or am I making stuff up? Sure. Because, like you said, they hadn't decided what, what was and wasn't real. Until episode, until a little after episode three, they went, let's choose the thing we did in episode three. (laughs) That's just tricky as all. It's just, I really admire trying to do something different with television. Yeah, It's just that it's going to be less easy to succeed than if you stick to what we know works. Sure. That's all.
1: Uh, So, yeah, the next scene is they're in a rec room at the... Uh, at the uh, quote-unquote uh, psychiatric hospital, right. um, Eddie and another guy who is just credited as inmate. I tried looking him up because I think he does a, he does a really good job with his performance. He does. Um, but uh, they're they're playing ping pong, and the other guy is he's saying his lines, and I he's not just saying his lines; he is singing his lines. Mm-hmm. Apparently, that was something that that actor decided to do ah. when they when they were doing interview. You know, they were doing. Uh, he was auditioning. Mm-hmm. He came in. He read the lines, similar like with uh, with. Seth Green doing Chris Griffin. He read the line, they were like, "Okay, uh yeah, thanks. Next." And then he was like, "Well, hang on. Can I can I try something?" And he sang the lines instead of saying them. And they were like, "That's it. That's what we want." Cool. And uh so yeah, he he does a really good job. He's but in particular, he's he's basically saying kind of what Tom has been saying is like, "I know I'm not crazy. I know the truth, but I'm confused." And uh in, in, he even like he the end of his song is like, "You believe me, don't you, Eddie?" And uh, anyway, so he is—he is similarly treating Eddie like he is, you know, sort of like the one sane person that he can count on or whatever. Which I guess kind of it. Well, I think it—it it gives credence to both of our theories. Right? Could be that he's the one—the tr- one sane guy everybody can count on, or it's that he's the one guy that is everybody's. You know, I was gonna make i—I I, I thought of a funny joke earlier when you were saying okay. that. Uh, Because of their, like, they, they're trying to build up trust or whatever. I thought you were going to say when they took him out without the straitjacket, it was going to be, no, no, we've only got one and it's <laughs> on somebody else. <laughs> uh. But uh, anyway, so Eddie comes over after, you know, he loses in ping pong against this guy. Eddie comes over and he repeats that line, which is, you know, confusion isn't, isn't necessarily a bad thing, blah, 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 under the circumstances. And, um, Tom sort of starts getting the feeling that Eddie knows things he shouldn't know, which, you know, I've kind of felt over since we first saw him. And uh, Eddie asks him, well, did you ask about Dave Powers? And well, well, no, Tom didn't. I'm almost curious what would have happened if Tom had asked because, because of your theory of that Eddie is part of it. Anyway, sorry. Go, um, I'll come back to that. Um, Eddie seems to know that the doctor made an appointment to speak with somebody that night. So, like, you know, he knows... Some of what's going on, and he is relaying it to Tom. And then a nice little touch is a nurse comes around and gives everybody their medication. Mm -hmm. And Eddie, he takes his, but then when the nurse has walked away, he grabs Tom's and takes that too. Right. Um, And then he says, Here's to numb when he takes it. Yeah. Um, So that night, Tom sneaks out of his room. You know, he knows the doctor is meeting with somebody. He sneaks around to Dr. Bellamy's office where you can see the outline of like somebody in the office. I think you can sort of tell it's a female. it's it's a woman <laughs> a female. what is why would I say it like that? You can tell that it's he's speaking with with some woman in his office. and so Tom is sort of he's listening, but it sounds like they're about to leave the office. so he sneaks away. He follows them to the exit and as as Bellamy and this woman are leaving the building, she turns around and she's laughing and you see that it is Tom's wife. So Tom's wife in some way is in on all of this, as is Dr. Bellamy. And Tom starts freaking out. Some orderlies pop up out of nowhere saying he's not supposed to be out of his room. They jab him with a needle, inject him with something. And he's screaming out about his paranoid delusions as Tom is wont to do. I have a different take on his wife. Okay. I don't know that
0: uh, I certainly from his point of view, it mm-hmm. looks like, okay, his wife's in on it. Yeah. Um, I don't think it would be too difficult to, because you have what looks like a mental hospital. Yeah. Um. I don't know what it would be, but I don't think it would be too difficult to get the wife to show up, to get his wife to show up mm-hmm. and lie to her about, okay, this was all for, you know, some sort of uh, – I don't know what it would be. I don't know what the lie would be. Yeah. But but, but you can make her all, – all we know is that she left. Yeah, I know. And, I, and that is what I'm basing this off of. So what I'm, so I'm saying is I, d- I don't know exactly how you could do it, but I don't think it would be impossible to get her there and get her – into a false state of relief because we know that Bellamy is the nicest guy in the world. Yeah. And convince her that it's all over. That's how she would laugh if it was all over. The same way that 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 he had relief as soon as he found somebody, as soon as he was in the car, as soon as Tom was in the car mm-hmm. and his wife said, "Oh no, no, they they told me that they'd kill you." Yeah. If he was able to say it was all a practical joke because he's turning 41 or something. Right? I don't know what the lie would be. Sure. But it's not inconceivable for me that that she wasn't in on it. They just and that's why, again, for me it reinforced the possibility mm-hmm. that Eddie is also there feeding him information because Eddie tells him to go see this happening. They gain more in terms of Tom's feeling of insanity. Yeah. Well, in terms of he's not going to get his wife back, at least, in terms of lowering his, his, his will. Because actually it reinforces, hey, no, I'm not insane. What the hell? Yeah. But, that, but but just like the emperor in Star Wars in the prequel movies needed to play both sides of the field. Uh-huh. If he just gives in, that might be if – he, if he just gives in to the idea, okay, maybe I am crazy. Mm-hmm. No, I guess not. That 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 would probably not really wear. I I know that it's wearing him down. I know that it's making him desperate. Yeah, but that's probably not to their to to the best of their advantage. So so I I, I think that's probably not the case. It probably is, it probably is that. Uh, yeah, I I just think like what would... I think your 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 assessment probably is closer. Okay. It's just that I was definitely. What's this? Is that real? Is that you know? Yeah, I
1: just don't understand what would be gained from having him see that if not. Well, I don't know. No, I think you're right. I think because now that I've had time to, to to now that I'm looking it over again, I'm going no, no,
0: no. Why you're right. What what would be gained from him running into? Because that's what that's what caused that's a big part of what causes him to to break out. It's not the only thing because then we're going to go into this next scene. Yeah, where he's like whoa 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 no I'm going to break the heck out of here. Yeah. Um. So no that doesn't that doesn't really play to their to their to their advantage. I just I was just like no no they could time it so that he'd see they're walking away. And he would just lose it, but yeah. him losing it isn't what they want. Him, yeah. him giving up is what they want. Sure, right? They're 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 not trying to make him manic. They're trying to make him depressed. Yeah, and that would make him manic, not depressed. So so that would make him go, no, 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 <laughs> you, you're all in it.
1: That, that would that would not be okay. Helpful. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I I think there there are multiple ways to read this. It's a yeah. question though of whether the multiple ways are intended or not. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it really, really is. <laughs> yeah. So they injected him with something. He passes out. Yeah. He wakes up in his room uh, and you can see the clock. It is 2 p.m. That means he must have way overslept, uh, but he's he's groggy and disoriented. He gets up and I think it's it's very similar to the previous time when he wakes up in his room, but the previous time he wakes up and Eddie is like watching over him. Yeah, this time Eddie is not. So he sneaks out of his room and into a different room. This is again why I'm not sure if Eddie is his Roommate, or if Eddie has a different room and he's sneaking to Eddie's room. Yeah. They don't really spend a lot of time getting this across. So I, I'm not, I don't blame myself for being confused. But uh he's in this room and Eddie is laying in bed. He has bandages all over his head and he's spouting gibberish. Um, so clearly he has some he has undergone some sort of procedure. We learned in a moment, he has had a lobotomy. Yeah. So he's laying there, he's saying nursery rhymes, and Tom comes over, and then the man, Eddie says Tom's name. And then he starts on a nursery rhyme, or a limerick, rather. He says, there once was a man named Tom. Tom, who used to be so calm. And then they came and took his name, and now everything is gone. And Tom's like, whoa, 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 what? what? You're, you're talking about me. And he thinks that Eddie's having a moment of lucidity, but then Eddie just starts... Going on with something else. Knick-knack, paddy-whack, give a dog a bone. This old man cannot go home. And just keeps repeating nursery rhymes. And he is seemingly gone. So Tom picks up his chart, looks at it, sees that he had this lobotomy, which it's important to know this was made in 95. HIPAA laws didn't come into play until 96. So I guess <laughs> they get a pass. They would not just have his chart with all of his information right there where anybody could walk in and see it. Anyway, but then... Uh, oh, I didn't actually see that part. Oh, you didn't? David okay. Eddie Powers. Yeah. Oh
0: my goodness, I didn't actually see that. Tom
1: flips over the front of the chart and sees that Eddie's real name is Dave Powers. I was,
0: probably, I was busy writing down in my notes <laughs> about how I wasn't sure if this was real or not. Yeah, so, so that
1: that's what made me wonder why I didn't want to spoil it too early. That's what made me wonder what would have happened if he had asked about Dave Powers. Because at that time, Dave Powers was that guy back at the place that you're going to see when you go back. So what would Bellamy have told him about Dave powers and what was Eddie expecting Tom to learn when finding out about Dave powers.
0: So, yeah, the more I see this, the more I think that, that
1: he's meant to feel like a real, he's the, but what if Eddie, what? I don't know. I was going to, I was going to say something, but I, I guess it's not, it's a half baked idea and I don't know how to put into words. Um, I don't know. I'm not see now. I'm right. I'm I, not sure. Yeah,
0: because when, when I the reason I didn't see the David Eddie Powers thing was because I was busy writing notes about how it would not be to their advantage mm-hmm. for him to have a frontal to, to for him to have a lobotomy. Yeah, and then be able to say whatever. Sure. Be, to to be spouting off st- like like it would be more useful for them if if Eddie is an agent. Mm -hmm. Uh, who, who's able to see, I saw that as, okay, if Eddie works for them, Mm -hmm. the reason he would be there is to show is to scare, like trying to trick Tom Vale was not working. Okay. So he's there to scare him into look at what will happen if you, if you keep resisting. OK, that that's what that's what I was busy <clears throat> thinking about was, OK, they wanted him to fight. You know, he's he's just spouting off gibberish that's just specifically close enough to, to Tom's situation to make him know, you know, to to just to put the fear of God in him. Don't you mess with these people? They're going to cut out a piece of your brain and you're just going to be a vegetable. Sure. Um. So that's what I was thinking when I was first watching it. But now I don't even know anymore. I I really, I really, I was just so sure everything was fake
1: because I didn't want to be a rube. Well, you know, Steve. Yeah. Confusion isn't necessarily a bad thing. (laughs) Under the circumstances, being a little less sure of things might just prove to be the road of recovery. We'll be right back after these messages.
0: (laughs) Mm, I sure do love when I'm getting a little bit snacky. (laughs) I can have some caramel corn. It's both good for me and bad for me at the same time. Yep. Mm.
1: So, uh, <laughs> popcorn to nourish me, sugar and make me smile. Ba-dum-bum. So, uh, so the next, oh, and also just one more little thing at the end of that scene. So, yeah. Tom, upon seeing not only that Eddie is lobotomized, but also that this was Dave Powers, yeah. he lets out a scream. And then, out in the rec room, yeah. that uh, inmate from earlier hears the scream and he starts screaming too. And then everybody starts screaming. I just thought it was a really nice touch because it would have been so easy just to end the scene. With sure. that, like, like, bam! But to show that there are other people here and they other people are acting like real people, I think is it's it's a good grounding moment. Yeah, to me, it does make it feel more like a real psychiatric hospital.
0: Yeah, well, I, I I'm not suggesting that it's impossible that those aren't there sure are, sure right. So the, so there's a couple different possibilities, right? It's it's everybody's actors, mm-hmm. or this is just the depository for where they for where they put. Uh, you know, people who they finally successfully
1: mm-hmm.
0: make go insane, right? You wouldn't want to keep those people in a regular mental hospital because they could talk, yeah, right. So I, I, I don't think it's like, oh, this is a. Re- Let me ask this: Do you think was your pr- presumption that Bellamy, but not the hospital staff, works for whatever the conspiracy is? Yes. Okay, I could. That's a definite possibility. Oh shoot, though. It's just I very much thought this facility is even yeah. if those are real mental
1: patients that's other people who have been right this is a, this is no I okay there is actually stuff in this episode that contradicts that we'll we'll get to, we'll okay. get to that I, okay. I'm starting to come around to so okay. your side um so um cut to Tom's room Bellamy comes in and he's talking about how he heard Tom went on an unauthorized field trip. And Tom's in bed, so he goes over to pull the blanket. And then instead of Tom being in the bed, it's a bunch of pillows. No, it's not a bunch of pillows. It is the orderly. Tom has subdued the orderly, tied him up, and put him in this bed. Tom pops up out of the shadows, grabs Dr. Bellamy. He has a needle of sedative in his hand. And uh, he threatens him. He says, we're going to act normal. You're going to take me on another trip outside. We're going to go, just us. If you don't act normal, I'm going to stab you with this needle and give you whatever's in here. He said he's got six times the dose. There you go. Of, of whatever, it is, whatever it is you give us. <laughs> right. Uh, so they go outside. They get out to Bellamy's car, I guess. And Tom does inject him a little bit. And then so he like gets a little groggy, pushes him in the car. Tom gets in the driver's seat. And then somebody at the gate... Opens the gate while a mental patient and a passed out doctor in the passenger seat just drive on through, but whatever. <laughs> uh, you know, just uh collecting a paycheck. Some I, people good, hey, I, we bet we've all been there. We've all been there. Uh yeah, there's one time I let an escaped mental patient out. <laughs> no. Um, so cut to the art studio. Uh it's nighttime. We get some more of that uh those green and and blue harsh lighting uh, spotlights there. Uh, Tom is printing out a bunch of pictures of his face and he cuts them out, laminates them into an ID. I guess all all sorts of stuff you'd have in an art studio Mm -hmm. and Bellamy's wakes up. He's duct taped onto this chair. He asks how long he's been out. Tom says he didn't give him all. He didn't give him the whole sedative. And Dr. Bellamy says that may prove to be a mistake, which I think is probably the first like overtly sinister thing that Bellamy says. Yeah. Um, Tom goes and lights a cigarette, and he says that his thought process was: if a man's identity is so fragile, well, why don't I just be you for a while? Which I think that's this is this is Tom being badass right here. (laughs) Like, you mentioned earlier that Tom did like his first smart thing in the episode, and we'll get to what that was in just a second. But like, this is where we see that the the Paranoid lunatic that he has been acting like this whole time might not be a hundred percent. He might've been putting on some of that as an act because he is, some thought has clearly gone into this escape. This wasn't just, well, I can subdue the orderly. Then what he's, he knew what he was going to do once he got out of there. So, uh, anyway, he, he makes a new ID as Dr. Bellamy. I don't recall what his uh, first name was offhand, but, uh, he puts it in his in his wallet. He he has Bellamy's wallet, Bellamy's credit cards, all that sort of stuff. And Bellamy says, you know, they'll find you. And so again, like Dr. Bellamy is he's the ruse as far as he's concerned, the ruse is over. Um and then Tom, you know, he makes some comment about like, you know, he could kill Bellamy and Bellamy basically insinuates like I would rather get killed by you than end up in their hands after this. And so Tom asks um uh, Tom asks, like, what's going on? And, and Bellamy, he, he says something that he says, a thing that you've alluded to is that in the end, everybody chooses to cooperate. Yeah. They've done this with other people. Everybody just complies after a while. Nobody puts up this much of a of, of resist- resistance. Tom asks how far the conspiracy goes. Tom realizes that he gave them the names of everybody who he knew, basically. Yeah. And he realizes. A page of them. A page of them. If he gave away all those names. They have probably gotten to all of those people. Yeah. Um, And so Tom, while he's talking, he walks over to the wall, opens up like a, I don't know, a thermostat or something like that behind the, th- basically in a hole in the wall is the actual negatives. So we see here so, in a second? Yeah. So when, when he was quote unquote looking for, oh, okay. It wasn't, it wasn't it's a thermostat. The, it was vent. the, uh, the vent. So it wasn't under the table. He heard Bellamy. Something was going on with Bellamy. He knew it would probably be very bad if I actually gave him the negatives right now. The one thing that I can definitely prove exists. I probably shouldn't give that up immediately. So he pretended to not be able to find them. So here he gets the negatives out. Um, And then we didn't mention earlier, but Eddie had a line where he, he's talking to, to Tom and he says something about you can't take away everything from someone. Mm. Everybody's able to hold on to something.
0: Okay. That more, that so I'm, I'm more leaning in the, the, the side of Eddie's probably real, mm-hmm. now, especially when you're saying something like that's a great, there's no reason to give that to him. If Eddie were an agent of whatever this thing is. Sure. So that that's, that's, that's a piece of hope that they don't need to give him. They're trying to take away hope. So anyway, yeah. sorry, that's, that's so, a great line.
1: Yeah. So Tom here, he basically echoes that line. He says like, you can take, you can't take everything from someone, somebody Everybody holds on to something. And then he asks the doctor, what about Dave Powers? And uh, the doctor, he just says something cryptic. He basically says he lost, I, I guess. I
0: might have written I, I don't it recall I exactly don't, what the But yeah, the he's was. someone who fought and lost. It's something like that. I did see in my notes just now while I was looking mm-hmm. about irreversibility factor. Okay. Um, which is one of the things that you have to build in to your story. Mm-hmm. It's sort of you have to zip tie. You need to make it so that as your character progresses, they are more and more unable to go back. Okay, and um, man, that 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 moment where he realizes, oh, I probably shouldn't have given you a list of all of the people who could come to my aid. Then, yeah, that's a very, oh, that that's impermanent ink. I can't fix that. <laughs> right. So I just I saw that.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a good uh, good point. Um, so here, Tom starts intimidating Doctor Bellamy. He grabs a jug and he starts explaining how in photography you use flammable chemicals. And uh, he starts pouring them on Dr. Bellamy, pouring it on the floor. I honestly don't know if Tom was going to light Dr. Bellamy on fire. Yeah. I feel like because he is openly stealing his identity, probably. But is that the character that we've come to know this episode so far? Right. I, I, yeah. I I don't know. And the, the episode doesn't tell us what he was playing on doing. although Tom does he lit a cigarette I forgot to mention that right so he lit a cigarette he set he set it down very precariously on the edge of this table for no reason other than because later on something is going to cause it to fall off the table anyway um, so then he starts pouring the, the chemicals and then he's pouring these chemicals and he says tell me who you work for but before Dr. Bellamy can answer all the windows blow out so they guns go off. The windows all get shot out and a bunch of machine gun wielding orderlies, including the orderly that was in the room and the orderly that drove them around, which is what made me realize. I think everyone working in that psychiatric hospital was working for them, whoever they are. I I had only really been thinking it was Dr. Bellamy, but it can't just be because one of the one of the orderlies is right here. Yeah. Killing Dr. Bellamy. Yeah. So they, they walk in. They kill Dr. Bellamy with, uh, they, you know, they shoot him. And then when they shoot him, they knock him back. He hits the table. The cigarette falls off, lands in some of the hazardous chemicals or near it. Tom grabs a cigarette, lights him on fire, grabs his stuff, runs outside in the big action set piece for this episode, jumps out of the building as the building explodes. The building explodes so much. That the car on the street outside blows up. I mean, I'm
0: watching this happen and like. I How did not flammable rea- were those chemicals? <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize how that might be a little
1: far-fetched like, until we're watching it and you're pointing out. I think they blew up the car because they wanted Tom to not have a car. But holy crap, how flammable was that one jug of chemicals that it blew up a building and a car? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so commercial break. <laughs> After that, all the orderlies are dead. I, I, we can presume. The orderlies, Bellamy, they're all dead. Uh, Tom managed to escape with his bag, which had the negatives in it. Yeah. So uh, next scene, we are outside Raymond's, which I looks like a uh, florist from the looks of it. Um, Tom's at a, he's at a, uh, uh, payphone. What are those? You may be (laughs) saying to yourself in the age of smartphones. Uh, and he calls Larry's office, his friend, Larry, Larry Levy calls his office. The secretary says, Larry's out. Tom asks where he is. She doesn't answer. She just asks who she can say is calling. And Tom realizes, okay, uh, this is probably not good. So he hangs up. And at this point, while I was watching this, my wife was was watching this along with me and she she points out very aptly. And the when listening to the commentary, they said it way earlier than this, is that almost this entire episode is just Tom looking confused. <laughs> As you mentioned, it would be so much better if there were if this was Nowhere Men, because if there were two people, they could talk. But there's only one person. So almost every scene of this show is like 75 percent Bruce Greenwood by himself with this confused look, his mouth slightly ajar. In the commentary, the director mentions, like, this whole episode, you've got your mouth open. We don't know if you're about to say something or what. And it really, really continues. Anyway, so this, that's when my wife mentioned this. I will say, I, it makes
0: me now want to go back and rewatch Die Hard. I haven't seen for a year or so. Okay, good movie. But that's a movie where he's on his own. Uh-huh. And yet it's still interesting. I
1: mean, I, I have. You can go on, but I, I have some reasons why that probably is. Well, just that. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was what, just. What's he doing different? I haven't seen Die Hard for a while. How did that work? Well, in Die Hard, much of the movie is much of the movie is cutting away from uh, from John McClane okay. and showing what the criminals are doing, showing yeah. what his wife is doing. Okay. They don't show what who they what they are doing right. in this. It's just him. And also, in most of the scenes with. John McClane, he's talking to somebody. Okay. Like he gets a walkie talkie and he's talking to, I shot a kid. He's talking to uh, Reginald Val Johnson. Um, or he's like talking, there's the scene where he, he encounters Hans Gruber. And so he's talking with Hans Gruber. Okay. So there isn't actually that much of the movie where it's just him. Part of how, from my understanding
0: of how television works, mm-hmm. because I remember in West Wing, the First Lady was just constantly on trips across the world because they hadn't cast Docker Channing as the First Lady yet. Okay, So, like, like because of the way, because of the merc- mercurial nature of TV and film, yeah, it sounds like it can be hard to attach strong actors to a project until it is clear the project is not a flop. Okay. Um, that there needs to be some sort of momentum. I, I have seen, I have... It's not just the West Wing. I can't think of a second, but I feel like I've heard before. Um, like you got to be careful who you're casting mm-hmm. early on. Are they going to want to stick around for potentially five to 10 years? Sure. Right? Um, so because of that, I have seen, we were talking earlier about how Geordi isn't the chief engineer of Star Trek for a little while. Yeah. Right? That it, it it can, you go back to the first season of stuff and go, whoa, they didn't have this person yet at all. Mm-hmm. Right? Um I kind of wish there was Hans Gruber almost. I kind of wish <laughs> I I what I feel like is it's possible that they couldn't commit even if they had wanted to. And I'm not sure that they would have, but even if they had wanted to show you a big villain mm-hmm. that was that was pulling the strings behind this stuff. Yeah. Um they would have they would have had to have somebody who they were going to commit to being in multiple episodes of this pretty strange show. Yeah. And I don't know if the logistics of that would have would have panned out. Bellamy's here and he dies. Right, he was. It was a good character. He was done well, but from a production standpoint, they can pay him less because he's dead now. <laughs> yeah, and so I wonder how much of that factors into why he doesn't have, you know, why they can't even, even if they wanted to, reveal necessarily some of the some of the people higher up, because mm-hmm. then you're committed to those people. Yeah, you you're you're stuck with them, and we know from your sleuthing. They weren't sure what they were sticking with. Yet. Yeah, yeah. There's an element of, I don't know, we'll get to that later, <laughs> right? There are times when you're being a dungeon master uh-huh. and I will say to you, what about this? And you'll go, who can say? And I will go back, you know, a month later and be like, did you know? And you'll be like, no, I had no idea. Yeah. And then other times you'll be like, oh yeah, it's in the book, right? <laughs> right, so, right, So because you're prepared, I can trust like, all right, I don't know. And I trust that when you get further down the line, you're going to figure it out. Sure. Um, I don't, uh, I don't know so much here. <laughs> would have been, it would have been. I would have loved to have seen what you would have done, yeah, with Nowhere Man, because I feel like you, you have a better ability to wing it in a way that makes me feel
1: confident that we're going to see something <laughs> cool eventually. Yeah, no, no, we'll we'll see. Yeah, we'll see as we go through this. Yes. Uh, so, um, Tom goes to Larry's apartment, which. I, again, I was confused earlier the one time when we saw Larry's apartment, because right. here we don't see the same, we don't see the same location. We really don't. We see the like he's... right at the front door, yeah. whereas before it was like down some stairs. So it's, it's real confusing. Yeah. But on my second viewing, when I was viewing with the commentary, mm-hmm. there was a sign in the earlier scene, there was a sign that said like something, something townhomes. Sure. So I was like, okay, that's, I guess that sounds like Larry's apartment. But you're Larry's right, apartment. they're
0: visually very different.
1: Very different. It's a,
0: it's clearly a big old fancy, like you said, L.A. Mm-hmm. two story apartment thing, and then it looks like a, a New York street level apartment when he's going in the second yeah. time. Yeah,
1: and I have some issues with how this, the logistics of this scene, because he shows up at Larry's apartment again. He's like right at the front door. I, I would have believed that this was on the street in New York, like you were saying, if if they told me it was. He gets there, he rings. There's a a phone and like a little buzzer. He rings the buzzer. Nobody answers. He picks up the phone. As he's standing in front of this door, a woman walks out, uh, and she's walking her dog. And then he act- He actually does. A, a, I like this little bit yeah. of acting. He starts acting like he's like laughing and talking to somebody on the phone. Like, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll be right up. Oh, don't worry. I'll get the door. And then he, he grabs the door before she closes it, so he can get inside. It then goes immediately from there to a carpeted staircase that. I can't tell if that's inside Larry's apartment, because if it is inside Larry's apartment, how did he get in? Mm. And if it's not inside Larry's apartment, why is there underwear on the carpeted stairs? Because as he goes up the stairs, he's like following a trail of underwear, basically. And for for a moment, I thought to myself, is Larry's apartment the only one here? But then where'd that woman come from? Did that woman come from Larry's apartment? I don't think so. Right. But... Tom just gets in there without a key, even though every previous time he needed a key, the key had been the lock had been changed. Sure. It's just and how would he have a key? He's in his 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 uh um he's in his his outfit from the the psychiatric hospital. Right. He doesn't have any of his previous effects. So I guess we're just supposed to assume that Larry's apartment is unlocked. I guess. I don't know. It's an interesting I can I can believe that there was
0: that, that it was carpeted staircase to the outside of his Apartment, uh-huh. and that there was just underwear because because he he brought home the art babe. I guess and was yeah. going to have a private date, and they were you know impatient. They mm-hmm. were getting
1: ready in the in the hallway. <laughs> I guess I can believe that. Sure, and uh, I, I don't need everything spoon fed to me. I'm not saying they should no. have showed every single step. But it's the, just it's odd given the circumstances. Yeah, and it it it, it can be easily hand
0: waved. Mm-hmm. In that if he was going to set a guy on fire in the scene before this, we now believe he can break into buildings. True, true. Um, but again, I'm. it definitely brings me back to the, is that the character that we have been watching right, the whole time? Right, It does feel like... I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. It's positive. Like, I wish they had done more with his photojournalism background. Mm. If they had made him cooler from the start and smart the whole
1: time... Sure. I think that would have carried a lot of the weight that needs to be carried... And you know, I will, I will say without spoiling anything, we do later on in the series, there is a point where we do get to see a little bit of what he was like back when he was a photojournalism and he does do some stuff. That's like, okay, that's pretty badass. but that's not for a long time. That's for like, that's like 15 episodes from now, (laughs) if not more. Yeah. So I just wish they had done a little bit better job telling us just who this, this, this protagonist is. Right. So that we know what to expect when he does things like pours flammable chemicals on a guy and then possibly breaks into an apartment.
0: Yep. Yep. That's where I'm at is that is that it's not impossible to do this show like this, Mm -hmm. but we we wait a really long time before starting to get an idea of who his character is and just simply in today's television market Mm -hmm. and today's attention span. You don't have 15 minutes. You don't have 15 episodes. Sure. We need to see him do – the whole premise of the book Save the Cat, which is one of the many writing books that, that gets circulated around, yeah. the reason it's called Save the Cat was just could you have the hero do something clever or kind the first time <laughs> we see them like right away? Yeah. So they're not passive, mm-hmm. right? And so could we, see, could we see them save a cat? Could we see them do something that's useful to someone else? Can we see that even though they hate their life right now and they're kind of just muddling through – there's still the spark of heroism in there somewhere. There's 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 something that we're going to be able to sink our teeth into. Mm-hmm. Other books have adapted that into, they don't have to save the cat. Yeah. But they need to be likable for something. Sure. They need to be funny. Or they need to be weird, or they need they need to be they need to stand out in a way where we go, oh, this is gonna be good. Sure. That's what we have to say. We have to go, oh, this because this is gonna be good. And you know, when we're watching Tom do something smart at at minute thirty, where he pretends to look for the negatives, yeah, we don't know that he doesn't that that's not where the negatives are for another like twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah, that, that it doesn't it doesn't become smart until he's that that scene where he sets the guy on fi- fire is the first time we see him. He's he's printing out ID photos. Mm-hmm. He's you know doing this arson stuff. We finally figure out that he had the, the 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 forethought to not go after the negatives. Mm-hmm. It's just that if he can do these cool things, we really do need to see it sooner in today's market for 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 the attention span of an audience member.
1: Here's how. Here's what they could have done. Okay, in the scene where they first, or the scene where Bellamy takes him to the, the art studio, and Tom is like, "I took that picture in Guatemala. I took that one, so on." If they had instead... That was
0: good, though. He really was just... He was like, sure. that's there. That's there. Sorry, go ahead. But
1: I'm saying in the very first scene, mm. when he's at the art studio, if someone asks him, how did you get this picture of whatever? And then he'd be like, well, I waited in a ditch for 36 hours. I survived off of eating lizards. Right. I climbed up a tree with a broken leg to get to this one. That would have that would have right off the bat given us a better idea of how badass Tom Vale could be. Yeah. And so then the rest of the episode, we would be like, well, okay, when's he going to do something badass? Right. We know he's got that badass thing in his pocket. When's he, when's he going to, when's the perfect moment for him to use it?
0: That makes me think of if you took the movie Taken with Liam Neeson Uh and he doesn't say I'm someone with special skills. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so there's just never suggested the premise Uh that he can do the things he's going to do. Sure. So we spend a while going, I don't, I don't know. Is he is he gonna do it? He's very explicit about listen, buddy, you your 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 life is measured in hours, not days. Yeah. And we're like, okay, well let's 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 all right. This is gonna be some interesting couple of hours montage together while uh-huh. this guy, you know, goes and tracks these people down. Yeah, I love that. I love the idea of if 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 they had Started with instead of him going, oh, I hate showing my pictures. <laughs> oh, my wife. Yeah, you know if they had that, that would have the whole. You're right. The whole time we would have been, when's he gonna do something badass? Sure, I want that so bad. Anyways, so we're gonna hopefully have that experience in episode
1: two, which you've watched recently. Uh, we, well, <laughs> anyway. But that's a great that's a great and, way to bring that in. Yeah. I I spoiler. I mean I've seen all of these, but I ha- I did watch episode two because my wife actually said, Hey, uh, gonna watch some more Nowhere Man? And I was like, well, no, I'm gonna wait till after we record the first one. She was like, Oh. And at that point, it's like, okay. Uh sorry, I sorry, Steve, I gotta watch the next episode. Yeah. Um the next episode, I'm not gonna say anything, I'm not gonna give any spoilers, but like the, the next episode is I don't even know what to say about the next episode. It <laughs> It's interesting. Okay. I guess. It will okay. it will answer some questions and raise questions. Okay. Like most of these, like most of these episodes will. Okay. So. Okay. All right. Anyway, um, so, so Tom gets into the apartment by whatever means. And I'll tell you, I wasn't even paying attention to that. Okay.
0: Right. All I cared about was I, finally he's going into his friend's house. I right? guess.
1: I just, I, th- I thought about it because I was wondering, did that woman just come out of oh, the- Oh, yeah. No. And then that I, got me thinking, you know. So um anyway so Tom gets into the apartment he looks around doesn't see anybody but he hears the shower goes into the bathroom frosted glass you can see something through the shower your mind you're probably thinking oh no he's going to open that shower and the dude's going to fall out dead uh nope he opens it up nope, nope. No, no dead body there is a uh <laughs> there is a bathrobe hanging up yeah. in the shower for some reason well to to make it look like it, you think
0: is your incredulity that 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 you think that his friend left? Well,
1: I thought it was there to make it look like someone was in the shower. But I mean, if someone is coming to look for him, are they just going <laughs> to look in? Oh, looks like there's somebody in the shower. All right, I'll leave then. Yeah, well, I, I, that's a good point. I don't know. But, I, I don't know what the end game is, you know. Yeah, I, I, there's a
0: certain amount where after the chemicals made the building explode <laughs> so much that it made the car explode. Yeah. That there is an element of... I think we are having a little bit of good television for good television's okay, sake. Okay. Okay. And so, like, <laughs> ooh, it's not a dead body. Sure. I, think, I don't know that there is a I mean, logical explanation to it. I, I think know it was I'd, a good shot. It's, no, no, you're right. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, no, you're right. That's. That's a thing where probably we can't read into it because the only reason for a robe to be hanging up in the shower is because it's cool. <laughs> yeah.
1: That is the only reason. All right. Well. Okay. Um. I need to, to eat some crow here. I just so we, we've got the episode going at like half speed over here. Right. And I, I keep having to go back because we're we're taking much longer to talk about it than we are watching <laughs> it. But that's fine. I just noticed there is actually a shot right before he goes up the stairs with the underwear. I don't know how... I I must have been looking. I must have been making notes at the same time. (laughs) There is a shot of him at a door that says like 104. That is like... I think I didn't quite catch it, but I think Tom tries it and it's unlocked. Okay. So And that is before the stairs. So the stairs are inside the apartment. So that whole five-minute tangent or whatever is not not valid. So I apologize. Anyway... They love listening to us so much. They don't even care that we were wrong. Nobody has heard of this show. So I... (laughs) I hope that the listeners are at least people who enjoy listening to us talk. Well, they enjoy
0: listening to you, you and and, and your co-host Jeff. They don't know me, but uh, <laughs> they love
1: me now. Hopefully, okay, okay. Hopefully, um, so this
0: was an interesting thing with the weird glass car models. Yeah, in
1: his... in Larry's kitchen
0: is like oh, he's a car salesman. I'll bet you that's oh, what he makes he? his money for. I'm just saying that's that's one of the I, ways that, to explain okay. his
1: money. It, that that is probably they, this is probably a bit of world building. There's these like. Several glass cars on little little plinths. Little plinths. It's a good word. Um, so anyway, it was not Larry in the shower. It was not a dead body in the shower. Come on, get your get your minds out of that gutter, guys. Um, so Tom looks around. He figures, well, I can't, I can't go around in in these obvious. I mean, it's not really obviously like psychiatric hospital wear, but he's wearing like an all white suit, basically. Right. Uh, so. Um, so anyway, he goes to Larry's closet to get oh, rid. Oh yeah, he's dressed
0: know. as the that's orderlies. He's he's dressed. Oh, as that's what. Yeah, yeah. He
1: stole one of the orderlies' clothes. So okay, that makes a lot more sense. When he drove out of there with the doctor, he was dressed as an orderly. He was dressed as an orderly It wasn't was a bunch of pillows. I'm sorry, guys. I should watch the show that I
0: am talking about. We we both did. There's a lot to take in. There is.
1: There is. So um, anyway, Tom decides I need some clothes. I can probably borrow slash steal some of larry's clothes since larry isn't here so he goes to larry's closet opens it up you're probably thinking there's going to be a dead body is going to fall out no of course not come on so he gets some clothes starts getting some clothes and then an arm falls they killed larry and put him up on the top shelf of the closet
0: it's very disturbing
1: it is it is actually very creepy this i said earlier there was the one jump scare this is the second jump scare sure i forgot about this jump scare yeah now this has me wondering because you said earlier on in the episode yeah. when they drove away that you thought Larry was already dead. I think maybe. I don't know, but... We don't know exactly how much time has passed between then and now. Right. But it is possible considering the fact that Larry is like... He looks... Not necessarily decomposing, but like he looks just like gross. he didn't just die. Right. Yeah. So it could be that they killed him then. It could also be that they killed him after they gave him after he gave them the initial list of people. Mm-hmm. It's unclear because we don't know how much time has passed. I don't know. So what you said is possible. Um, right.
0: I don't know. It's just, I wanted to raise it. As yeah. A, you know. And so oh, here he is at the closet, going to borrow some of Larry's stuff. And then he learns out he inherited it.
1: <laughs> there you go. Um, but if everybody seems to have forgotten Tom, uh, would he be in Larry's will? I don't
0: know. No, that's right. His wife's new husband gets a bunch of new clothes. Yes. That's what the
1: so, will says. <laughs> that's what the says. Uh, so um, Tom freaks out, understandably, because his friend is dead. And he runs to the bathroom and throws up. And I actually want to say, I want to applaud Bruce Greenwood. Okay. There, There is a, another moment in the series as well. I Only two moments, I guess, in this 25 episodes that I distinctly remember... Him playing Tom as like incredibly upset, like incredibly mm. like freaking out, shaking, vomiting. And both times I feel he does a very good job with it. I feel it's kind of doing him a bit of a disservice because so much of this show is him staring 45 degrees from the camera with a with a, a bewildered look on his face. So when he is like actually terrified, I think he does an amazing job. So anyway, he, he goes into the bathroom. He throws up. There is a crazy 90s transparent phone it's on the wall. Wonderful phone, yes. <laughs> so he, he, he calls his mother. So you know it's gotten bad if Tom is calling his mother because we know that he did not have a good relationship with his mother. His mother wouldn't come to his funeral, as you pointed out. So he tries calling his mother. Someone else answers. Tom asks for uh, Helen, his mother's name, and the person on the other end asks who's calling. And once again, Tom realizes this is bad or this could be bad. I can't I can't tell someone over the phone who I am. Right. So he hangs up. Do you have yeah. more
0: preamble? I just uh, want, go for it. I just want to say, I, so I learned something from this okay. episode for, that I will use in future writing. stuff. So. Sure. Um, I, I had already been presented with this idea, but but it, this really helped galvanize it. Mm-hmm. Which is that you're gonna have your protagonist a lot of the time, first of all they're gonna they're gonna to try to maintain the status quo as much as possible if it's a reluctant hero, yeah and they will basically use the lowest hanging fruit they can in terms of their bad options, okay they will they will continue trying, and that's why it takes them so long to actually give in to the idea that he has to genuinely go on the run. he has to act like a person who was wanted mm-hmm. And he can't he can't go to even his mother. Yeah. But the way that that when he when he calls his mother, like you said, if he's calling his mother, it's gotten bad. Mm -hmm. But actually, he still thinks he can pull his life together somehow. He still thinks that he can that 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 the even the bad relationship he has with his mother Mm -hmm. is preferable to no relationships with anybody. Yeah. Right. So so this was like, oh, man, this is a last resort. But in many cases, last resorts don't work in stories. sure. Last resorts are, we go, oh, I wouldn't want to pay that cost. But in in many cases, that, that whatever vanity cost, usually they would have to pay. They end up paying it mm-hmm. and the thing doesn't work out anyways because the real thing was they had to step into the role of being a hero. Yeah. And so this really was a great example of, oh man, he's going to call his mother. That's not going to work. But yeah. But it's yeah. also going to suck. It's also going to be a very pain, you know, when he was gonna call his friend, you know he he goes he goes to his wife. His wife gets him sent to the the psychiatric hospital. So he goes to his friend. His friend is dead. So he goes to his mom. He goes in order of what would be most pleasant to have work out. Mm-hmm. And that was just helpful for me to remember that pro- that protagonists who are reluctant heroes generally will pick the lowest hanging fruit first. Okay, and they will just they will burn through all of their options, and generally none of them will work. But they will still – but they will save – that's that's part of how you get mounting tension is they save – as they go on, mm-hmm. these bad lifeboats, these tainted lifeboats that they go after are more and more costly okay. before they actually get to the point of going, I give up. What do you want me to do? Yeah. Right? That the, they have to actually get to a breaking point. And, then, and that's when they try something new, something that wasn't – that they weren't holding up their sleeve. Mm-hmm. Right? This was – I guess if everything went to hell – I can at least go talk to my mother who hates me. Sure. Right. He's got to rule that out before he actually goes. So even my mother who hates me didn't work out. Mm -hmm. What the heck am I going to do now? Something new and unexpected. And (laughs) yes, that's the answer always. If you ever find yourself in a movie, do something new and unexpected sooner rather than later (laughs) instead of trying out all the bad ideas you have that are stored up from your life before being a hero. That's what all of these are. They're all, okay, I'll go from, I'll try to to use my wife as an ally. Nope. I'll try to use my friend as an ally. (laughs) Nope. I'll try to use my mother as an ally. Nope. Those are all people from before the adventure started. Yeah. And you have to pick something new. That's why you were tapped for an adventure is because you relying on the, the, you choosing between the lesser of two or three evils that you know of in your life Mm -hmm. is the whole reason you were tapped for an adventure in the first place, hero. You gotta go out and figure out that there's better crap out there. It's just gonna cost you your comfort. Sure, you're gonna have to go and do heroic stuff. So this really helped lay in for me how often you're gonna go after just just worse. It's it's not gonna work out for you, mm-hmm. even if it would be costly. And, sure. And so yeah. Anyways, that's very long. Sorry.
1: No, no, that's that's fine. I mean, I'm I love, I loved the idea of having you on this show. Because I want these sort of insights okay. from you, like that's that's what I'm interested in. Cool. So I'm okay. also interested in watching the show and getting right. your opinion on the show. But I want to talk to you because I love I love hearing these sorts of cool. of things from you. And I hope listeners would also want to hear these. Sorts well, of things.
0: you're, you're going to put a you're going to retroactively put a nice little uh, disclaimer at the at the front. I mean, I could. Sometimes Steve talks a while <laughs> in order to get to his point because he's trying to figure it out as he goes along. Apologies.
1: Well, we'll see. No apologies. Oh, okay. No, no apologies. Right. Now, I need to do a quick thing because yeah. something is okay. So, so listeners, something something weird is happening uh, right now. Um, they're getting to us. No, I just realized that uh, we're. I downloaded, so I have the DVDs of this show. I bought the DVDs from a Suncoast way back when. Back when Suncoast a was Suncoast. A, a Suncoast. My goodness. Do you remember the Suncoast game? I do remember the Suncoast For game. For anybody not familiar, Suncoast was a uh, it was a, a media store um, that you'd see a, at a shopping mall and so on. And we would play this game called the Suncoast game where you go into Suncoast. It was a fairly small store. Yeah. But you'd go into the store and then you would try to go as long as you could without being successfully approached by a by a store clerk who was going to hand you
0: a catalog uh, of all their current sales Oh is that what they were gonna do they were gonna hand you yeah that you, you got handed a little brochure-huh of like 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 you get in your junk mail.
1: Oh, okay, they, I I just remember them being very like very they would get right up in your face and ask they if would. they can help you find anything.
0: Well, so the reason I know they would get they would hand you a thing, I don't know if yeah. that was part of the game or not. Like that, I don't know if that was the lose condition. I don't,
1: I don't know. Maybe but the reason
0: I remember that there was a flyer they would hand you is because I saved my flyer on time. So I walked in there as if I had oh, already been served. That's good. I won that day. That's good. So
1: um, so I bought this the DVDs a long long time ago. I was watching them on the DVDs, but then I also managed to. Uh, acquire uh, some, some video files of the season as well. So that, you know, we would have something instead of having to, you know, bring out the discs and everything. I could also just quickly scroll through on my computer. And I think a scene is missing from the version that I have on my computer because in my notes, there is a scene after when Tom calls his mother, mm-hmm. like when he's, after he's seen Larry dead, he's in an alleyway or he goes, he goes to a photo place. It goes to like a, you know, 24 hour photo or whatever. Yeah, and then I've seen this. he's sitting in an alleyway with a whole bunch of manila envelopes and a whole what? bunch of stamps. Yeah, I haven't seen this. He has made numerous copies of the negatives. Oh, wow. He puts each one in an envelope, addresses it to just some city across the country, stamps it, and then writes hold for pickup. Oh. And is addressed to T. Vale or Thomas V. or something something like that. Huh. And so basically, he then he drops them off in, in a mailbox. So I, I here's the thing. I If they cut it out, it's because... That shows up in many, many episodes from now on in, like, the beginning of the episode where they're giving you, like, the the previously on whatever. Yeah. It's him speaking over footage of him doing exactly this. But it's weird that it was on the DVD, but it's not on – what did they rip these these files from if not the DVD? yeah. Anyway, so there was a scene which is – if you were to watch it on YouTube or whatever, you probably would not have the scene. There is a scene where Tom sends out copies of – the negatives to multiple cities across the country, presumably, so that while he is on the run, if he needs to just get rid of a copy of the negatives, he has another copy yeah. somewhere.
0: And then that sounds familiar to me. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I like like in terms of that being a thing he's able to do. Yeah. Later on in the series, I no, I did not see that at all. I mean, it's, it's uh, again, straight to they, they will
1: show it again. I guarantee you. <laughs> yeah. But it's weird that they cut it out here. Now, um, I for a moment I thought did I write down the scenes out of order, but it doesn't make sense for that to happen after the following scene. Yeah, no, I haven't seen that at all. Interesting. Well, anyway, so there is a scene here that uh, you may not have seen listeners. <laughs> uh, so the next scene, um, you see an airplane stock that footage of an airplane for
0: people who buy the DVD,
1: I guess there's <laughs> <just> a special, <laughs> special <laughs> bonus. Uh, so there's a stock footage of, of a plane landing in Iowa, which I guess people have criticized because there's mountains in the background. And I guess there aren't mountains in Iowa. But uh, anyway, he... Um, that's their criticism. That's anyway, their criticism. That. <laughs> exactly. There's also a scene earlier on where Tom is wearing the wrong shoes. Oh, wow. I didn't point it out because I didn't think it would be important.
0: <laughs> well, but it's important here.
1: <laughs> um, so Tom has rented a car. He shows up at his mom's house, this little, you know, old country house out in the out in the boonies of Iowa. When he gets there, there's another car in the driveway, a sports car, and there's music playing from inside. And I guess... The music that is playing inside, it's like some old-timey music. I don't—I didn't catch what it was called. Oh,
0: I have some interesting stuff about you that. You do? Music, but well, I, unless I'm wrong, which I could be, but go ahead. Okay,
1: well, I was just going to say that song was playing in the restaurant. Oh, was it? When he was with his wife.
0: Because I know later on it's on the radio again when he's in the car when he's driving Cr- away. Yeah, I did notice that. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's a song from Reception. Oh, is it? I, I, I didn't go and double-check... I, I listened to it and then like 10 minutes later I was getting food and then I was like, I think that's the song from Inception. I, want I don't to listen know. To it. I was like, yeah, I think that might have been well, it. We'll try I, to find I, out for sure. next episode. Yeah, but it's <laughs> it's that uh, the the song in French that they play to let people know it's time to wake up
1: now. Yeah, I if so, I didn't. Uh, it, I, I've i only my, seen Inception once and it was a long time ago, yeah. but that would be a really neat touch. I mean, obviously it was not inspired from
0: Inception. Inception is many years later. No, no.
1: no. I thought you were going to say, obviously Inception was inspired by Nowhere Man. <laughs>
0: Um, but my sister uh, uh, travels the world occasionally, uh-huh. and she said, that's just a song in France. So I was on the train and had a nap and woke up, and that oh, song was playing because my. that's just music in France. I was like, that's terrible. Take that off of trains. You can play it in cafes, but not trains.
1: Right. That's terrifying. We were driving our bus off a, off a bridge, and the music <laughs> just started playing. It was the weirdest thing. Uh, so he pulls up to this house. Um and actually, this uh, this is a small behind-the-scenes fact. I don't want to. This isn't like a plot thing. This is just a behind-the-scenes detail. The front yard of that house is actually where they took the hidden agenda photo. They set up uh, <laughs> they set up a, a thing in like a Humvee and everything, okay. and that, that's where they took it. They mentioned that in that's the cool. in the commentary. Um. So Tom goes inside, and there are tons of clocks in this house. Are there? Uh. There's a table set for two. And again, the radio is playing old timey music while a teapot whistles in the kitchen Mm -hmm. Uh, while Tom goes over and takes the teapot off the off the stove. And a woman walks into the room. Uh, Tom introduces himself as Helen's son. And the woman says that she is Helen's nurse. And she asks, didn't you know your mother had a stroke six days ago? The six days detail could possibly be that it's been six days since he gave them that list of names okay not sure they don't really dwell on it too much but That's, they... that was my assumption okay either
0: since they gave the list of names or six days since all this started I don't know possibly
1: I don't know Um, Tom is is distraught obviously he did not he did not know that and also he probably suspects it to be foul play yeah there's two more clocks there was one on the table a moment ago well, no one has phones yet Gabe. um <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. That's a good point. Uh, so he runs up to his mom's room. His mom is uh unconscious, I guess, in her bed. There's like, they, it makes the sounds of a breathing machine, but she doesn't. She just has a nasal cannula, which is the the thing that goes in your nose when (laughs) your uh your oxygen saturation in your blood is too low. Take this out, and if you don't want, but do you do
0: you? I know you guys try to be obscure about your whereabouts <laughs> and your jobs and your job history on your show, right?
1: Well, that's the thing. We're can we're I, not all obscure about where we are. We've said we're in Garden City many times. Oh, okay. And I've said previous jobs I've had. It's not it's my current job. I will I will give cagey answers as to what that is. Okay. But, so yeah. so you can reference the fact that you're a registered
0: nurse nurse assistant? Yeah, sure. Okay, so that's that's just funny that you're like, actually, <laughs> let me I, tell you about the stuff that's hooked. I used to work. In a retirement facility, yeah, yeah,
1: and that's not exactly correct. I mean, like the sound <laughs> it's making is like the you know, like I was gonna try to like you had the make name noise. man, and you used the
0: lingo. <laughs> this is what people who don't understand D and D hear when they hear us talking. <laughs> where it was just like, what? what, what, what words are you saying? What are the say it again? What so, does she, that do? so she has
1: a nasal cannula. It's uh, the the little the plastic like uh-huh. tube that goes over your ears and then connects under your nose, okay. and that is that it's usually giving you pure oxygen through your nose. That's not a breathing machine. That's not breathing for you. That is just your, the, when you are breathing, you're not taking in enough oxygen. Okay. So your oxygen saturation or your sats are too low. You want your oxygen saturation to be at least 90%. Okay. Anything below 90 is bad. Um. So when you have that, it's just so that whenever you breathe in, whether you're breathing through your nose or not, you're likely to get some of the oxygen through your nose just to get a little bit more pure oxygen into your, your blood. The... I don't think the machine that's in there would be making the noises that it's making in mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Whatever the case. So she's in there. She is clearly not doing well. Uh she's, you know, like I said, she's unconscious. Um, Tom is she's got an IV as well. I mean, that's that's not like lingo. That's something everybody yes, would, that, would recognize. That's what I mean. Um, everybody
0: knows <laughs> IV. They don't know. If you want like if you wanna wait,
1: them. if you wanna hear about uh some some uh medical science gaffes that they make in this show. Just wait till next episode. Don't okay, worry. Okay. Um, so Tom is immediately suspicious. Who hired the nurse? Who pays her? I mean, I guess the answer is probably her insurance, but anyway, um, she doesn't answer him. She says, you know, you should probably speak to my supervisor, which I mean, I, I guess that's true, but to a suspicious person, that's going to sound like something to be suspicious. Oh, I have about. a note on this actually. Go for it.
0: Um, I don't know if there wasn't, th- th- there was an, there was an because his response is, she says, you'd be better off talking to my supervisor. He says, I'll do that. Okay. And I wrote down here that there's still a part of, that that maybe he's suspicious, I don't know, but I mm-hmm. think there's a, still a part of him that thinks he lives in the world of law and order. That sure. That he is entitled sure. to go up the chain of command and go, excuse me, someone was misbehaving. <laughs> he can't do that anymore. Yeah. And he, and, and once he's guy who sets people on fire. Mm-hmm. And commits to it. Yeah, isn't yeah. going to ask for someone's manager in the future. So he's not fully there yet. Sure. So I thought I thought that was just an interesting touch of he really hasn't fully stepped into the thrust. That's why, as a first act, I think this is an interesting mm-hmm. example
1: of of an elongated first act for this episode. Sure. Um, so Tom tries to talk to her. It seems like she recognizes him. She says, "Tom, is that you?" But just then the sheriff shows up or someone from the sheriff's office and tells Tom to identify himself. And he gives this response. What did you have in mind? A birth certificate? And the guy answers like, or a driver's license would be fine. (laughs) It's like, Tom, what are you? I get that he suspects he possibly suspects that the sheriff is like in on it. But I mean, what are you doing? What are you you talking
0: about, Tom? Well, the the way that that registered in my mind was just. I don't have a driver's license. I have somebody else's driver's license, so I can't tell you that, and I'm (laughs) under duress right now. I guess.
1: That's sort of where I took it. I guess. Um, So Tom screams at the sheriff, who then draws a gun, understandably. Uh, However, a priest shows up, tells the sheriff to put his gun away, introduces himself as Father Ralph Thomas from St. Anne's. Tom asks what happened to Father Carney, which I guess was the previous priest that his mother was close to. And I just, I think it's odd that, the name Tom is familiar with is, is Father Carney. The family that was at the restaurant was the Charneys.
0: Was it? Okay. Yeah.
1: I When I first watched this, I thought, was that the same name? But no, it's Charney as opposed to Carney. Okay. It's just odd that there would be two names that are so similar yet are so like so meant to not be related. Right. I guess. No, that anyway.
0: definitely feels more like a, wow, those chemicals sure are explody
1: <laughs> sure, moment. Sure, sure. And then... Um, apparently father Carney died six weeks ago. Now again, it's six weeks ago. So I don't know if there's supposed to be any significance to that. It's not that, Oh, he died six days ago. That would be way too convenient, but six weeks ago. I don't know. I don't know if we are supposed to pay attention to the fact that it was six weeks ago and six days ago, or if it's just, that was the first number they came up with. Yeah. I don't know. Um, anyway, apparently Helen never mentioned having a son to, uh, to father Thomas. And then Helen calls out for Tom. Father Thomas asks if Tom is her son, and she says uh and, and says so she never mentioned a son. So like the 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 priest says, "You never mentioned having a son." To which Helen says, "Her son is dead and she has no son." Yeah. So you have to you have to you have to question would she have said that had Father Carney not reassured her, "You never said you had a son." Like Right? Is it that he is reminding her what the lie is, or is it just that she hates Tom and she disowned him? Oh, see, I hadn't even thought about that That's, That's... that was that was my first reading mm. of it was this is someone who could have actually corroborated Tom's story, but so she mad. hates him exactly that was that was my first read <laughs> okay. of it. but but I don't know.
0: I got to tell you, that would have been more interesting. Yeah. If it was definite, if it was definitive that that's what's going on, that she could have corroborated the story, because and-
1: she doesn't say "I don't know, a Tom." She says, "My son is dead."
0: Yeah, I didn't think about it like that. No, I was just completely with because both with when when he's talking to his wife uh-huh. and his mother, as long as no one else is around, they will talk to him like he's sure. there. Sure. And as soon as someone else shows up, that's when they that's when they kick back to the So I so that's an interesting. That's an interesting detail that, yeah, she hated him so much. That could have just been how she thinks about her son is that uh, he's dead to me.
1: I don't know. Yeah, so um, uh, Tom grabs a potted plant and hits the sheriff on the head, Mm -hmm. like a sane person would do. Uh, Grabs the sheriff's gun, like a sane person would do. Accuses Father Thomas of killing Father Carney, says all of them are in on it like a sane person would do. He (laughs) fires the gun into the wall and takes the nurse hostage. like to get their attention, grabs the nurse, takes her hostage. Uh, They get outside. He shoots the sheriff's tires. And then he, he tells the nurse that same line again about like, uh, tell your friends they can't take it all. You know, referring back to what Eddie was saying about like, you can't take everything from someone. Um, He jumps in the rental car, drives away, but the, the sheriff grabs his shotgun and he, He, like, breaks out the back. He shoots the car a couple times, but Tom ultimately escapes. Um, So it definitely would not have made sense for the alleyway scene where he's sending out all the negatives to be here. So, like, it definitely wasn't that they moved the scene. It was just that that scene was just missing. Yeah. That's weird.
0: That is a very strange thing. I mean, it's not like it's unheard of for a scene to be missing in... Different editions of something, but I'm with you in terms of then where did they rip this from?
1: Yeah, exactly. TV itself? It's not like this thing got a huge release. It took me forever to even find a <coughs> legitimate download of this <laughs> of this series. Anyway, um, so the next scene is still in Iowa. Tom's driving along. And again, that song that was playing in the mother's house and in the restaurant comes on the radio. Around the same time, the car craps out on him. Whether those are supposed to be related, I don't know. But Wait, sorry. Say say again. Sorry. The uh, the the song plays on the radio that was playing at the time when the when the car craps out of. Yeah, yeah.
0: See, That's the thing is that there is the stuff with the the the
1: especially the... after you told me to watch the Adjustment Bureau, so I yeah. watched the Adjustment Bureau, and there are lots of parts in that where like something clearly super. I mean, like clearly coincidental, but right. supernatural happens. Right. One. If you were leaning into the supernatural element, one could say that that's what the song comes on the radio that's indicating that they're about to mess with Tom's plans,
0: but it doesn't fit in this It doesn't world.
1: really fit. yeah. so
0: yeah, no that's that's why I wanted
1: you to go take a look at that just as a as a contrast. A good movie. movie if you have not seen the Adjustment Bureau watch it it's, it has some parts of it have a similar feel to this kind of in that you feel like there is some some bigger organization orchestrating a lot of stuff right. um but it's it's ultimately different, but it is it's still definitely worth a watch.
0: So th- I didn't actually realize that, yeah, that it, it is it is strange that the song would be on. Th- I mean. And it's like sort of cutting in, sort of cutting out. Yeah, which was just sort of weird. It's also possible that just like, you know, that's how radios work. Yeah. We're so used to on demand now. Maybe the song is still playing. Like it's it's and just a long song. and.
1: I will say from experience, when we lived in Tennessee for a few years, when we were in Tennessee, I listened to the radio a lot. And holy crap, you hear the same song 30 goddamn times. <laughs> In an hour, it is ridiculous. It would make sense that the same song would be playing. <laughs>
0: yeah. So that's, that's, that's as much as I was putting into it, but that's a good point that, yeah, this weird, you got to be careful where you, you can't, you can't have too many. If, if the point of the series mm-hmm. is that there is some deliberate stuff happening, yeah. you lose your ability to do motifs. Sure. Because then m- motifs are an artist conceit. They, yeah. they, they can't, you can't, you don't get both. You don't get both because otherwise we're going to be like, is that a thing? Should I have been paying attention? Is that <laughs> because we're already going? Is that ah? Uh, is that real? Is yeah. That-? Um, so that's I didn't even realize that that happened at the exact same time. In any event, continue. So his yeah. car breaks down. Car
1: breaks down. Um, you know, he has no other option. He grabs his bag, starts walking. You know, he's like out. It's not desert, but it's like flatlands, prairie. prairie. Yeah. Um. So he's walking along. In the distance, you can hear. What sound like maybe vultures, maybe peacocks? I'm sure that was not intended. <laughs> it was but... supposed to be vultures, obviously. <laughs> sure. um, but he reaches a desolate crossroads. Yeah. Just like it's a decent. It's image. it's a, a great set piece because I mean it's set piece, but like it's it's on location. Yeah, yeah. Just as far as you can see in any direction, yep. it's just like two roads and nothing else. Yep. I love it. I love this this moment in the show. Um, He's... I also like that he's got
0: that he had to give up the car. Because okay. even the car is the last thing he's relying on. Sure. Once he's out of the car, he's walking. Yeah. That's when he finally steps into the okay, I guess I'll trust my feet. Yeah. Right? Where he just he does it himself, which yeah. I feel like is the only possible moral for this story. Is <laughs> <laughs> not trust just, no one. Just, yeah. just go do it yourself, man.
1: Yeah. So he uh he sits down. There's like a fence at this cross crossroad, so he he sits down, and waits waits for somebody. At this point, a person rides by on a bike, just like going from here to there. Yeah. And according to the uh, the commentary, this was meant to be a an echo of the dream sequence when oh. somebody rides by in the other direction to toss a newspaper. Okay. I think that's a bit of a stretch, but yeah. it came from the director, so okay, I'll. I'll take it again. I, I, you, you don't get to
0: have cool little motifs. Yeah. You, no. <laughs> um. So then
1: I would say, oh, it's a dream sequence. Oh, they have a dream Elizer You know, like oh, they sure can, sure. Right? sure. God. Yeah, I know. Um. So anyway, a, a truck. Tom sees a truck coming from down the in far away. Mm-hmm. He flags it down, and inside the truck is a. I wrote it as a dweeby looking guy with a dog. <laughs> he's got glasses. He's got like a big old mouth full of teeth. And he just, he looks like he's from like the 40s, this guy. Okay. Uh, but anyway.
0: Well, I was just going to say, other than the the Eddie who plays Captain Staddlemaier and Monk,
1: uh-huh.
0: um, Tom's wife, who I don't know where I know her from, but I know her from things. Mm-hmm. She was on a couple other stuff. Anyway, go on. But anyways, the guy who pulls up in the truck, I know from someplace. So it was like- Oh, you do? I do. I okay. don't know where. Okay. I don't know if- I'll I, have to I, look I, him up I after have, we're done here. I, I could go find out. But um, I know him from something. Uh-huh. So I was like, oh. So I was already on edge, right? Because- because part sure. of the way this show works is because if you don't use big name actors, we don't know who's supposed to die. Yeah. We don't know who's supposed to be on the.
1: And no spoilers, but like there are some episodes of the show that have relatively big name actors in them. Like there's an episode fairly soon coming up that has a, a an actress that was in a very, very popular series of movies about five years after this. And anyway, anyway, um, so uh, Tom asks or the, the guy asks Tom where he's headed. Tom asks where he's going. The guy says, that way. Tom says, then that's where I'm going. So, um, Tom's about to get in the truck when the man pulls out a cigar and a pencil. Starts poking a hole in the end of the cigar. And then Tom just stands there with his patented (laughs) bewildered (laughs) slack-jawed look. And the guy acts very realistic. He's just like, so, so are you coming? Uh, I'm not waiting here all day. And again, Tom just stares at him. The guy's like, it's not going to be another car for a long time, but okay. See you later. And then he drives away. And I, I, I will say one of my favorite things about this show Mm -hmm. is the feeling right here. No spoilers, but there is an episode later in the series where the entire episode has this exact Feeling behind it. It evokes this exact emotion in you in that you want to believe so hard Mm. that this is a normal person offering their help to Tom and there is no concrete evidence to the contrary. Right. But you just can't be sure. Yeah. And so you are in Tom's shoes at this very moment. You you just cannot take that step into that truck. You you have to, whether you want to or not, you have to wait for the next car. However long that's going to be, you have to do it because you just can't accept it.
0: And that's the thing that I was railing against him the whole time I was watching this episode was he was very trusting the whole mm-hmm. way through. It was like, hey, mom, can I come home? Right. Yeah. He, he keeps being trusting. This is the first indication of like, OK, he's in it now. Yeah. He's he's going to wait before when if if, if that character had shown up before, even with the cigar. There's a part of him that you know, like you said, we don't necessarily know his character since he's set guy on fire guy, <laughs> yeah, but the guy we were seeing was very even if a character well well i could I could I could brush away the cigar with for, for coincidence, I really need someone to help me, yeah, right, so there is there is it's grit, he's building grit, yeah, like like we we think he probably had some some. Grit from his profession. Okay. Right? But that he wasn't applying it to the other parts of his life and that now he has to do it full time. And he he just keeps asking, can I get a break? Mm-hmm. And someone offers him a break and he finally doesn't take the break. That's what I like about it. Sure. Is that finally someone offers him a break and he wises up instead of going, oh, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Right? So I do like that ending quite a bit. I do I do think yeah. that's a good indicator of he's definitely going to just rely on himself from this point on sure because there is such a possibility that that guy just we don't you know we had a 20 minute segment on how we don't know (laughs) how you smoke a cigar that might just be a very reasonable (laughs) way to smoke a cigar or that guy and the doctor have the same boss and they are copying their boss sure that's you can't take the risk so
1: yeah um and then just uh one more thing we have the very final shot of this episode is really good it is this This very very long crane shot of Tom sitting on the fence. In my notes, I wrote literally and figuratively, but I now that I just described that last bit with the guy in the truck, I don't think he is on the fence anymore. I think he has decided. I hate it, but I I have to be on this one side of the fence. Yeah, I cannot be as trusting as I have been. Whether that pans out or not, we'll we'll see. But uh, anyway, so this very long crane shot of the crane, the camera panning back as he's just sitting on this fence you know goes out further and further he looks more and more tiny in comparison to the big world that's out there there's clouds going over it's like the perfect moment it's it's such a great shot for the end of this episode and uh and yeah so that's that's the first episode of nowhere man so we spent quite a while talking about this yeah further episodes I don't think will be quite as long right um after editing I will probably this episode probably won't be quite a Behemoth, but it'll still probably be pretty long. But before we finish out, um, I want to ask you a couple questions. Okay, do you have a favorite part to this episode and a least favorite part? Well, first of all, when you brought it up
0: before we started recording, yeah, I was like, I I don't know that I have a favorite or least favorite part necessarily. I like some of the themes that they were doing. Yeah, I like some of the lines that they were doing. But again, this isn't a show for me. This is a show that that you like, and I was like, yeah, yeah, we sure. could we could look at this again. I'm curious. You know the last t- the last time I watched this, I hadn't read a single book on writing, so I was like, "All right, let's see what they are doing there," because I know it's deviating from what you're used to seeing in television. Yeah. Um. Obviously, the part that I that I was most uh, excited about was when he goes and is faking the where the negatives are. I okay. Was like, oh look, there's the first smart thing he's doing. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily jump to um. That that was like my favorite part mm-hmm. because, like I said, like it is. I guess on the second time through, But the first time through, you just think they got to the negatives too. You don't know that he's 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 playing them necessarily. Yeah. Um, but I will say, I think in future episodes, what I'll be looking for mm-hmm. is photochemicals that can make a building explode so much <laughs> that it makes a car explode. You know, was there anything in the episode? <laughs> That was clearly not part of the conspiracy. It was yeah. clearly sort of a '90s TV budget. This is the way we decided to go. Uh, I wouldn't call that my least favorite. Okay, I would call it the least plausible.
1: Okay, I mean we can we can I I we can come up with a different framework right, right. for this. It, this section, I don't know,
0: but yeah, but the, but those were the those were the smartest thing I saw him do. Okay, right? Was was the the was faking where he was hiding the negatives? Okay, and then and then the. I mean, if you want to make it smartest and dumbest. Let's do it this way.
1: Smartest and
0: silliest. (laughs) There you go. There you go. So, yeah, the smartest thing I saw him do was fake where the negatives were. Mm -hmm. And the silliest thing was I I didn't even notice it, honestly, the first time I was was rewatching it. But when you pointed out how explosive (laughs) those chemicals were. Yeah, it was as if every single photograph in there was also explosive, and it it just of dynamite that was waiting desperately to be set off. Yeah, there's not—it's not a chain reaction. Yeah, have you tried to make a fire in your backyard? It's—it's difficult. Yes, so even if it was just a bunch of lighter fluid. Covered canvases, I don't think it spreads to the car and makes the car. <laughs> exactly, explode. exactly. So that certainly was the silliest moment. Okay, um, okay. And maybe, and maybe the. I, I like the fact that it looked like someone was showering, but there was a row. But you have <laughs> okay, convinced me that there's okay. no reason, <laughs> even with our grasping and clutching for <laughs> straws, that we could really come up for why that would be there yeah. if the guy was just. Shoved in his own closet. Right. And we didn't get to it. Yeah. But if they can kill that guy, why is Thomas Vale alive? Yeah. I wrote down some note about how if you take away everything, Mm -hmm.
1: you actually create a stronger opponent. Somebody with somebody something to lose is easier. In Dark Souls, when you no longer have a bloodstain to get your souls back from, you are the most reckless, most powerful you will ever ever be that is completely because you are, right you are not trying to stay alive
0: so I wondered if if they had just killed him his mm-hmm. wife is smart she's curious she seems like the kind of person who would be resourceful mm-hmm. we don't know a lot about her but I wonder if you know if they kill him she's gonna hunt down who killed him right like that, that maybe the idea is it's easier to just discredit him that they, they they're able to muzzle the people who love him mm-hmm. and it's easier to just keep him insane yeah than it is to have to deal with actual murder trial stuff. That if they kill Tom Vale, yeah, now they now they have no more leverage other than you know threatening to kill you. So you're saying the target was actually his wife? No, not or... that. The, not that the target was actually okay. his wife. That in order to protect themselves from his friends coming after, if they had just killed him, mm-hmm. his you know maybe not his mother because his mother hates him. Yeah, she's that to him. But his friend,
1: I I wanted to be the one to kill
0: him. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> But his, you know, it, that his his friend would have mm-hmm. maybe looked into his death, or his wife would have. I feel like like they were trying to. But then, why don't you just kill his wife? Like, yeah. like if you're gonna, if if you are trying to avoid there being enough evidence for the actual police to show up mm-hmm. and start asking questions, but you definitely killed a person in in your in your cover up story. Yeah, like how does that not lead? back to i mean maybe they have a a way to go oh it's thomas vale who killed his friend and they'll show up and that'll be how they cover that up you know yeah i don't i don't know
1: why thomas vale is alive (laughs) (laughs) no that's that's a great question and having seen all of the show i want to say that there are reasons he's alive but i can't in good conscience, say definitively that that they couldn't have just killed him okay but um It's weird because, like, I feel like the first time I ever watched this, I not only definitely got the impression that his wife was in on it or whatever. Okay. But also, I felt like there was a much stronger sense of it's not just that people are saying he's not – they don't know him. It's that he was erased. right? And I guess that might be drawing stuff from future episodes where that gets reiterated. Okay. But – Maybe I just read it wrong or something.
0: I don't. I will say that the idea that he was erased is how it feels. Yeah, and that the dream sequence does layer that in. Yeah, that there there is something stronger than regular people. Uh-huh. Right, not necessarily super supernatural, but you know, plus five sure, percent supernatural, sure. just a little bit more supernatural than the rest of us. That there's just and, – and, and maybe that's just, you know, foresight and a lot of planning. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But then I guess the thing with the bike that, that was a callback to the I dream sequence. I don't even know. And why was the music on as soon as this car – that yeah. definitely – it definitely reads like like an adjustment bureau. Mm-hmm. There is a supernatural force that is the thing that you're up against. Yeah, But it doesn't seem like that's what it is. Yeah. I don't know. So well, – We'll see, I guess. When you said that they hadn't made all their decisions until – you know, a few episodes after episode three, and then went back. It does remind me of different talks I've heard of, you know, uh, creators who don't have a high mandate of this has to be clear before you do it because we're spending hundreds of millions of dollars. Sure, going, eh, we'll figure it out. I mean, that's not even true. Ocean's Eleven has a problem with with the. I think I've brought this up before that Ocean's Eleven has the problem at the there end. There is
1: a legitimate plot hole that ruins the entire thing.
0: That in the commentary they go, yeah. <laughs> we didn't think this was that big of a deal because, like, from a story standpoint, it's really fun that this happens. Sure. And I was, I was so mad. I was like, at least apologize to us. <laughs> yeah. But they were like, no, no, no. It's more fun if it happens this way. So there's plenty of examples yeah. of you know creators just not having a definitive. And like as a content creator myself, mm-hmm. I lose so much sleep over people. Over the over the fear of people coming back later, going, "Uh, what about this, sir?" And it is hard to 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 plug all your plat holes ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it can be. I think you can. I think you get permission for that if it is still good. Okay. And if if there is a clear intent for why you did that or did a hand wave, I like at the library when there's when when you're running your D and D sessions at the at the library. Yeah, they're short, they're quick. There's no time to get into rules discussions. You very, very confidently just go, yeah, yeah, it works like this, like okay. there, and there's no re- and there's no reason why it would, but we just go ahead with it, and it keeps the momentum going. Sure. And cartoons get away with it a lot. Mm-hmm. Cartoons can still make you make you laugh and make you cry and make you think. Um, the cartoons that are coming out now, you, you, you get away with stuff like that in BoJack, in, in Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. It's very in 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 I was gonna say somber episodes of Family Guy, but that's not a thing. But you can, <laughs> in in cartoons, you can get away with we don't have a good answer for this. Sorry. And then mm-hmm. moving forward, but I kind of wish people would just lean into that more. Yeah. Um. And I don't, and I don't get a ton of that sense is if you're gonna, if you're gonna, you, you gotta, you gotta own it and go, yes, some things are amiss. Some things are problematic with this, but it's going to be very fun and it's going to be worth it. Sure. Just go with it. And instead they're like, is, is it supposed to be Supernatural? Is it? I don't know. Yeah. And it's just, tell me what show I'm watching, mm-hmm. and I will watch that show. But this show hasn't decided yet what show we're watching. Sure, definitely. So they can't tell it. So that's 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 where I get get frustrated. And so I'm very curious to see what the hell you're talking about happens in episode three, that they're like, yes, <laughs> well, this,
1: this is the show. I want to say, I... I might've thrown out three. It, it wasn't oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever episode it's it just is just some, some epi- And it wasn't even like something in the episode. It was just at that time during production, oh. they had an idea for what oh. it was they wanted to do. Okay. They had a few ideas right. and then a few episodes later, they're like, oh, okay, let's go back to that idea and let's do that for the rest of the thing. So now Steve, before we close out the episode today, just one more question. Where do you think the show is going to go after this?
0: So if it's a if it's a scary organization like this, mm. generally speaking, you're the reason we're following this hero is this is the person who's going to bring down the organization. Sure. Um, I will say, however, I feel like this show is so bleak, yeah, that I don't actually believe he's going to do it. Okay. So I I don't know, but it would be. I feel like the show's tone. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they're doing, but it yeah. feels deliberate. <laughs> sure. And I just feel like it's going to go someplace other than the Death Star exploding. Yeah. I don't know what that is, but I think he's going to spend some time trying to bring down the organization. I don't know what that's going to involve. Um, Obviously, if he flew to Iowa, mm-hmm. right? Was that where where it was? Yeah. And they're still able to get to him and, you know, to people in Iowa, Um, there's... There's not going to be a safe haven. And you told me there's an episode where you desperately
1: want him to think he's found a safe haven. I mean, there's a few episodes. There was one in particular I was talking about, but there's a there's a few episodes like that. Okay. So because
0: of that, because he's not a duo, because he's not a squad of people, mm-hmm. because it's the, the justification that makes sense for not calling him a badass at the start in, in scene one. Yeah. Is the idea of the futility of this that it might be that this is meant to be a treatise on futility? Okay, that he is meant to not be able to do it, that he is meant to seem as a regular guy, mm-hmm. and that when you're saying, okay, he's lighting somebody on fire, is that the character that we were watching? Maybe that's the point: is that he is a regular he's, guy. He's
1: been driven to light that, someone on fire. That if any of
0: yes, that yes, <laughs> that, that if any of us were forced this far um, to to. To question our sanity, we would set people on fire. I yeah. don't know if that's what we're going to see, but that's one of the possibilities. I see this going is that it is meant to be an exercise in futility. Okay, that he's not going to succeed, and that it is meant to show that in real life we are not heroic enough to to bring down the Death Star just by using the Force. Okay, and, and aiming without our aiming computer. So, I I, I think that's 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 sort of. Because I have seen some of the episodes, I don't remember, but that's the tone I remember. Okay. Because I don't remember going, yay, yeah, he's going to do it once, ever. <laughs> Episode
1: so- two, he took them down. <laughs> yeah. Where's it going
0: to go now? So I'll be curious to see if they do that and if it's watchable, if that's what they're doing. Yeah. Um, it's certainly, I need heroes to succeed mm-hmm. for the most part, or I need them to fail in a way that's cathartic. Okay. And, I, and, I, and so if it's one of those two, I'll probably be able to go, okay, that was, I see why... This show warrants itself. Um, but if it doesn't do those, I will have some opinions that will not be five stars on Yelp.
1: Okay, cool. Well, time will tell whether uh, you are right or wrong. Yeah. Um, I think with each episode, it doesn't necessarily have to be very long, but I would like to check in with you and see if your stance on what you think is going to happen has changed, mm-hmm. what direction it's gone in, and so on and so on. Yeah. So, cool. Uh, that was... That was the first episode of Nowhere Man, uh, of the TV show. So um, we are the Nowhere Men, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, so I'm Gabe. I'm Steve. Steve, is there anywhere that people can contact you on the internet? That uh, uh, yeah, I work, work under into? a stage
0: name. You can find me at uh, my Twitter is is uh, Noah Wizard. It's Noah underscore Whiz. Mm-hmm. Um, that's mostly where you'll find me. I do a lot of writing exercises right now online, but it's the future when you're watching this so
1: who knows what i'm up <laughs> yeah, to yeah this is probably going to go out weeks if not months after we recorded yeah. it um yeah and uh i am uh on twitter at ultima gabe i'm also i have another podcast called interparty conflict with my uh, our, our mutual friend jeff so you can find us on twitter at inparty conflict and interpartyconflict.com or on soundcloud blah 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 all that stuff yeah check the show notes
0: i'm sure in the future gabe will have written
1: Am I going to have show notes for the show? We'll
0: I, see. We'll see. I, I don't know. What sh- you know, you can write down our Twitter URLs. I, I, I what guess. what I'm I saying. Guess. Yeah, check so, the Twitter URLs check, notes. <laughs> sure.
1: Where you would normally find show notes. Yep. So, yeah. Thank you for, for sitting through multiple hours of us talking about... Uh, I didn't mention the very first episode is called uh, Absolute Zero. Oh. So, Nowhere Man Absolute Zero. And next episode, episode two, is called turnabout Ooh, okay so read into that whatever you will i guess great cool and then one last word from our
0: sponsors (laughs) please go ahead and wrap up
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's all so uh thank you folks for listening and uh catch you next time catch you next time contact us send us an email at nowhere men podcast at com or follow us on twitter at nowhere men pod for updates for more content created by steve go to bit.ly slash nowhere wizard and if you want to hear me talk about tabletop role-playing games check out my main podcast inter-party conflict found wherever podcasts are sold be sure to like share and subscribe and thanks for listening